This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? Welcome to My Take Radio, episode 170, for Thursday, January 24th, 2013. Our caller number is 347-324-3541. Again, that caller number, 347-324-3541. You can also hit up our feedback line, 347-815-0687. That's 347-815-0MTR. All right, let's jump right into it this week. A lot of crazy things happened last week. Tons of audio issues, tons of problems. You guys are going to have a big laugh about it because we were not the only ones. It seems that Blog Talk Radio had issues across the board, including, get this, uh, our friends at Fight Insight Radio actually lost their show mid-broadcast. I don't know what happened with Blog Talk Radio last Thursday, but mid-broadcast, they actually lost their show midway through. It just cut off. They got booted. It was um, it was some crazy shit. So the thing that bugs me about it is the fact that BTR did nothing to let us know what was going on. They did nothing to uh, make it up to us. No apologies, no nothing. Uh, Fight Inside Radio, our friends Gary and Spillbag of Ice had to redo their episode with one of the fighters from the UFC that had to actually redo the episode on a Monday. Of course, you know, that, that fucks it up for those guys. And it for us as well, we had issues dialing in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It was one of those things that I, I actually was concerned about earlier because I was dialing into the switchboard and it was not letting me through. Luckily, when in doubt, I always have a backup and I can dial in through Google Talk. But for some reason, Skype went through and here we are. So on the bright side, things seem to be running decently thus far another thing I did want to talk about is the release of the shows as many of you know usually our shows are uploaded usually within 24 to 48 hours most times when we wrap the shows at 2 o'clock I'll begin editing the show overnight and sometimes I'll publish it Friday morning or Friday evening in a worst case scenario you may get it late Friday into early Saturday but that's usually our timeline for that Blog Talk Radio archives and the live episodes, usually within a couple of hours. What I usually try to do is replace their crappy audio with our better audio, and that way at least people get to enjoy that. And, of course, we put the episodes on the site, and we also upload them to iTunes and Stitcher, which, for those of you that don't know, in addition to listening to the show by coming to blogtalkradio.com forward slash mytakeradio, you can also go to our site, to MyTakeRadio.com, and click the Listen to My Take Radio tab. We have a BTR player in there. 
Not to mention, we also have a Stitcher player in case you want to listen to an archive show later on. So you'll be able to do all that. Um, there's a couple of different things that we're working on. I had somebody actually message me this week saying that they got to listen to the show on Xbox Live via Internet Explorer. I have not tested that. So if any of you guys are out there and you're using your Xbox to listen to the show with the IE app, of course, on Xbox Live, let me know. I just want to know how it sounds, what kind of audio quality you guys are getting. I'm just very curious about that because at least three people said, hey, you know, I got to catch the show on Xbox Live while, you know, I had my Xbox on and I was doing some stuff. So, again, if that's one of the ways that you can listen to the show, let me know so we can make sure to promote that accordingly. If you guys have been to MyTakeRadio.com this week, you've noticed that there's been a lot of stuff posted, not only from myself, but from Slick. We also got a new Buried that's up. I'm working on a post for a new show on Cinemax called Banshee, which is surprisingly pretty badass. Uh, it follows the same you know, genre of original programming that Cinemax has been putting out, which means loads of violence, loads of nudity, and a pretty decent story. I mean, Strike Back, as far as I can tell is the gold standard hunted has been pretty what was pretty good and banshee's off to a solid start so be on the lookout for a write-up regarding that this weekend also we got some stuff going up on the youtube channel usually we post our episodes up there we've been putting up a lot of episodes from ultimate spider-man that we've been getting from marvel a lot of clips so you can check that out by heading over to youtube.com forward slash my take radio tv so just another outlet we're working on some stuff with metal gear revengeance i want to put my first impressions of that on the site and i want to get some video out for you guys also doing a little gamefly q review with supremacy mma and also medal of honor warfighter so maybe i'll capture some video for that and i'm going to try my hand at some live streaming hopefully uh, if not tomorrow night then maybe next week just to try and work out the bugs because i really want to do live streaming on the regular especially a lot of our PS2 games that I got. I got a lot of awesome PS2 imported fighting games that I really would love to share with you guys. And if possible, maybe I can interact with you guys on the live stream. If not, you know, it's it's a work in progress. So we're going to have some new gear, well, a new PC built also that will help me encode video faster. So once that's done, you'll be seeing more video with regards to that. Also got something put together for the Galaxy Note 2. I've officially owned it for 30 days, so I actually recorded a video 30 days with the Note 2. Hopefully that'll get edited and posted this weekend. Um, there is going to be a hiatus of MTR in November because yours truly is officially getting married. Uh, myself and my fiancé of 12 years, Andrea, we've, uh, we're going to pull the trigger, go get married. So the month of November is going to be very sketchy. Obviously, it's a long ways off, but I want to start preparing you guys in the event that, you know, I take a couple of weeks off during the month of November. So, yes, Rich is going to run off and get married and get himself into some trouble in Puerto Rico. So, you guys, I'm I'm figured I would share the good news with you. If I can share all my bad shit, I can share all my good shit with you guys as well. Okay, so before we get into this week's MMA segment... Uh, Ben's going to be joining me because there's a lot of stuff going on with that. Um, I do want to talk about last weekend. I got, well, last weekend's uh, event that I got to stop in on and also this past Monday's event that I got to um, attend as well. This past Saturday, uh, the House of Glory had their show, Winter Wonder Slam, 
And unfortunately, I didn't get to attend the entire show uh, just because of some personal stuff we had going on, which prevented me from attending the entire show. But I got there at the end of the evening uh, to pick up Amazing Red's documentary, which, you know, I'm going to share probably a review with you guys in a couple of weeks for that. And I got to help him out with some stuff, which I'm sure you guys heard on air. But it was it was good going in there, catching up with a lot of the guys, see, uh, seeing a lot of new faces in there and just the continuing evolution of independent wrestling is, is always nice to see. Um, our very own Jay Santee was there. I'm sure he's going to get some stuff put together with regards to the show, and he'll probably put that up sometime this weekend as well as his Superstar of the Week column. But it was good catching up with a lot of the guys. Like I said, seeing a lot of new faces. Um, I was very disheartened to hear that Sabu no-showed the event. It was kind of fucked up the way it went down. But the fans were treated to a surprise guest, that being... Of course, ECW's own Tommy Dreamer, who showed up and had an awesome match with Brian XL, from what I've been hearing. Uh, incredibly rough, incredibly violent, but it was, it was a good time overall. A lot of people that were coming out were talking about some of the great matches. Of course, uh, the, the hardworking guys from True Talent put in their work. And, of course, Brian XL, Amazing Red, all those guys, just they're, they're all standouts. They, they got tremendous potential in that school. I don't say that because me and Red are friends, but... I go in there and I see those guys breaking down the ring, still bruised up from their matches that they had earlier, and that's fucking dedication. That's just me keeping it real. But I did want to acknowledge that. And also, Monday night, I got to actually check out Sonic Boombox Mash Fest event in Times Square, which was surprisingly a lot more, a lot different than I expected for a couple of reasons. Usually, Mash Fest is held every other Monday at a venue called the Fashion 40 Lounge here in New York City in Times Square, right next door to Midtown Comics. And I expected to get there and it'd be a, a really packed, tight venue. But I have to admit, it was a very nice laid-back atmosphere. It was a two-floor venue. Uh, it had a hookah lounge, open bar, well, not open bar, but, you know, it had a happy hour, etc., etc. And then upstairs, they had a nice, they had a nice setup. They had a couple of HD TVs, a lot of games were being played, including PlayStation All-Stars, which, shockingly enough, the crowd that was surrounding that game was on par with the stuff you see in Evo. Just people cheering and going crazy, and there was a guy that was just running game on everybody that played with Parappa the Rapper. Uh, definitely shout out to that guy, because he he was just whooping everyone's ass. And, of course, uh, the mainstay is Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3, Street Fighter Cross Tekken, uh, Super Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition, Persona 4 Arena was also on display. Somebody also brought an import copy of Gundam, which was amazing. I've I've never seen the game here in the U.S., and I've only seen pictures of it, but to see it played and just to see how beautiful it is and, and how graphically impressive it is just, just blew my mind. Most of those pictures you can check out on our Facebook fan page, and you can also check out my write-up on MyTakeRadio.com, but it was just a... Uh, an awesome weekend of, of just great events this weekend. Hopefully we're going to check out the Talking About Games event. Also February 4th, the blogger, podcaster, YouTube meetup in conjunction with MASH, with MASH Fest is going to be held. That's going to be February 4th. And hopefully if everything goes according to plan, MTR may also be at the Toy Fair next month. And we'll be covering some of the great stuff coming out of there. You know, all the great stuff from Transformers, Marvel, WWE, 
the Avengers, DC Comics, all that stuff. So if everything comes together, we'll be covering that as well next month. So things are definitely coming together in regards to all our event coverage. We're also doing a lot more stuff with guests, including three interviews I recorded this week. Of course, Katie Brinks from Nest. Also, Nick Craig from Radar Gaming. He's a fellow IAIB member. He runs uh, the Radar Gaming website, and he also does a vid, 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 uh, excuse me, vidcast or podcast, however you consume it, called uh, Radar, which is very good. I actually butchered its name. Let me see if I have it here. Uh, I think it's uh, Beyond the Radar. I think it's Beyond the Radar. Nonetheless, all, all those interviews will be up will be up this week. I also caught up with uh, a friend of ours who's been on MTR before. That would be Derek Samuels. He was on episode 98 of My Take Radio. And last time he was on, we were talking about the envisioned uh, Evo 2 console that was going to be released. The console was released, and he's actually working on a brand new endeavor called Oton, which is, get this, an autonomous Android and Linux-based console, which, based on our interview, just has tremendous potential in regards to uh, a new way to consume video games, but you're not only going to be able to play them, you're also going to be able to create them. So that interview should be up probably within the next day or two, and that's going to be exclusive on the MTR app for for a, at least a week or two before being released to the general public. But it was great catching up with Derek, learning so much about the OTAN system and about all the great stuff they have planned. So those are just three of the interviews that we'll be uploading within the next couple of days, and you guys will be able to consume that on the app. Which, by the way, if you don't know, you can actually pick up the app in the Amazon Marketplace for $1.99 and also via the Apple Store, of course. You can get it via iTunes for your iOS devices, including iPad, iPod, and iPhone. Same thing, same price for $1.99. Last but not least, I want to thank those of our listeners that are clicking our banners and also shopping through the Amazon store. Uh, All of that stuff helps out MTR. Of course, we we get a little percentage of that uh, based on referral links. That's something, you know, we got to be honest about. But it it has nothing to do with your purchases. It's just referral links for you guys using uh, retailers and brands that we recommend. It helps us out. So if you are a constant Amazon shopper, do yourselves a favor, go through the MTR Amazon store. It really helps us out. I've seen a lot of you guys picking stuff up from T-Fury, and also you can pick up stuff from Superhero Stuff. They're one of our advertisers as well. So those are all companies that we stand behind or we work with in some capacity. So just want to put that out there because, like I said, it helps us out, helps us get better equipment, helps us get better stuff to run the show, etc., etc. You guys know the deal. So there you have it. All right. So with with all the housekeeping out of the way, let's get right into the meat and potatoes of this week's MMA segment because there is a lot going on. We had Bellator, we had uh, UFC on FX, and of course, the Ultimate Fighter. Ben's going to join us to break some of that stuff down. Let's get that ball rolling. All right, so let me bring Ben on and get this ball rolling. Ben, what's going on, brother? Welcome back. What's up, man? Congrats on the win, man. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. Shit, after 12 years, I had to, we got to shit or get off the pot, you know? <laughs> yeah, I got you. Well, you know what it is, man, and, and just to kind of sidetrack into the real world a little bit, it, we we kept, we kept postponing and postponing just because, you know, you want the right thing. You want to have the new house. You want to have the bigger house. You want to have the better job. You want to have more money. And at some point, it was just, just like, fuck it. We got to pull this trigger because we're not getting any younger, so... That was the, that was part of the driving force behind that. Yeah, I see. <laughs> All right, so last week it was a, a crazy, crazy end of week and weekend for MMA, and I want to start with Bellator because, of course, Bellator came to Spike TV. Um, an amazing turnout, a great rating, especially um, coming in right behind TNA Impact, so a lot of that wrestling audience kind of came over, and they got themselves... Uh, introduced to MMA the old-fashioned way with some good old-fashioned ass-whippings. Bellator delivered not only good production, but really awesome fights. And I want to just um, pluck a couple of fights like we usually do. Um, first off, I was really bummed to see Mike Guyman lose his fight against Savant Young. Uh, I'm, I'm a big Mike Guyman fan. The guy's a, a class act. And he just got caught out there again, you know. He just got put to sleep. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it it sucks. Mike Mike Gaiman's kind of heyday of his career was before uh, MMA got really really big, so it kind of sucks that a lot of people didn't see him when he was in King of the Cage and stuff like that. But um, it, that's what happens when you get older, man. Uh, he did he got slept, so it's unfortunate. Yeah. yeah, it was bad. And of course, uh, former UFC competitor Jamie Yeager also got served by Joe Williams at uh, four minutes and two seconds of the first round. It was it was just insane you know of course big john stopped that fight and um you know jaeger pr- protested that he was defending but i don't know that that stoppage looked a little suspect but i think it was just um saving jamie jaeger from getting pounded out too hard yeah i mean he could have let the fight go on but excuse me he could have let the, the fight go on but there's really no point i mean at that point all you're doing is getting hit more like he's not he he wasn't coming back basically, you know. That that was the whole thing. Like he he wasn't out, but eventually he was going to be out if if it kept going the way it was going. Well, here's here's a, a one. It's funny because we we got consistent you know TKOs knockouts, and then we just had a huge war with Pat Curran and Pitbull. What a what an amazing fight to have on Spike TV as an introduction for the new post-impact MMA audience. That fight was ridiculous. Oh, yeah, that that was. I mean, you you kind of knew it, with Pat Curran and, uh, is, it, is he Patricio or Patricky? He's a, the small one. Which one is he? Uh, Patricio. Patricio. Yeah, Patricio. You know, you knew them, them, they were going to come in there and then uh, put on a good fight. Uh, Patricio, I thought, won the first maybe two rounds, and he started getting tired, and, and Pat Curran came on strong in the last couple rounds. It was, it, was a, it was a really, really, really good technical um, fight on the feet. It was, it was fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, in the fourth round, when when Curran closed out with the double jab, you know, you kind of saw that Pitbull was a little stunned, but he, he, you know, it was right at the end of the round, he came back fresh in round five, and it was just a war from, from start to finish and bell to bell. I mean, Pat Curran, though, it wasn't unanimous. You know, he, he got the victory via split, but still. Yeah. 
I mean, it was a good fight, but I mean, you saw, you saw, uh, like in the fourth round, especially uh, Patricio or Patricio, yeah, Patricio started getting tired, and uh, that's when Pat Kern started coming on. Pat Kern um, might be the best featherweight that's not in the UFC. I mean, he he is he's that good. Then on the on the light heavyweight side of things, Babalu uh, taking on Mikhail Zayats. You know, Babalu's a guy. He's always hit and miss. Sometimes he comes in there and he slugs it out, and he delivers some great fights, and sometimes he just comes in there and gets crumpled. And um, Mikhail Zayats wasn't playing. He <laughs> came in there and put him out immediately. Yeah, um, Babalu, Babalu kind of a stand for us. He, he's been fighting for a while. His chin has been tapped one too many times. He's kind of a stand for us. And you can see that Bellator's whole plan was to have King Mo fight Babalu, like, because they want some side of the bracket, but now that's not happening, and, I mean, he's going to run through the tournament anyway, but now he's going to run through it even easier. Well, the the lightweight title fight with Michael Chandler and Rick Horn had a lot of controversy post-fight, and we'll get into that, but Michael Chandler looked really awesome in that first round, and he set up that beautiful rear-naked choke from the elbow. It was it was ridiculous how he, how he transitioned from the elbow, grabbed the back, and it was a wrap in the blink of an eye. Yeah, Michael Chandler was straight pieces on Rick Hahn. I mean, Rick Hahn is a good fighter. Michael Chandler just treated him like he was just an amateur. Uh, he he gotten considerably better um, since you know he first started the tournament. Um, he, I mean, he could legit win some fights in the UFC. I don't I don't know if he'd be a title like contender in the UFC, but I could see Michael Chandler legit winning fights in the UFC and like against really good fighters. So, um, you know, it it was. I kind of think he's getting wasted in Bellator, but it was a good fight. And then, of course, Jacob No and the and the always uh, game Seth Petruzzelli. Uh, Petruzzelli on the losing end came into the fight with a with a ridiculous set of knee injuries, sustained another injury in that fight, and it was just a a, a perfect storm of disaster for Seth Petruzzelli. I was kind of bummed because he's always fun to watch. He always comes out there, does some crazy shit, but. It, it was just fate was not in his corner this time around. Nah, you come out there with already a bunch of injuries and then you go on to get somebody that can punch you in the face. It's just not, not going to work out. Yeah, dude, I think, he, <laughs> I think he came in there with PCL and MCL injuries, I believe. So you know. It's like, it's like dude, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I, he should have pulled out that fight, but... I guess I guess it's probably wouldn't let him. But I mean, you got that many knee injuries, you you need to go ahead and get that taken care of before you go and fight. But well, of course, following his his loss to Michael Chandler, Rick Hahn was in the news because one of his sponsors pulled the old, you know, we didn't like your performance, we're not going to pay you card, which was kind of fucked up because you know when you sponsor fighters, you know that it can go either way. I've never even heard of something like that happening. And this is the first time I ever heard like a, uh, a company that was sponsoring somebody just straight up be like, "Yeah, we're not paying." You. Like I've, I've never heard of that. This is it, it might have happened before, but this is the first time I've ever heard of it, and it's really fucked up because I mean, that's money that you're counting on. Like, it is a check that you know you're getting, and then for them to be like, "Yeah, you're not getting it," like that's really fucked up. <laughs> well, the the crazy. I don't understand what no, you know, to add on to what you were saying, usually things like that happen in, in smaller promotions 
where you can kind of strong arm a guy and be like, well, you know, you're not getting the money, the hell with you. But it's unfortunate because this was this was a guy contending for for a title, and you can get caught any day. It happens. But the fact that they just turn around and are like, yeah, we didn't like your performance, and we didn't feel, you know, that that the money would be better served because who's gonna buy who's gonna buy our product from a guy who lost a fight? And it's just like, so let me get this straight. Because LeBron didn't win a championship, Nike's not going to make any more LeBron sneakers. Or because Kobe didn't win it this year, you're not going to make any more Kobe's. Or because Jordan had an off year, you're not going to sell Jays. Really? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It, I, it, especially if you're on a one of these, because Bellator is now legitimately the second biggest MMA company or the second most important MMA company. You can't do things like that because I mean they're gonna. I know they're gonna want to sponsor other fighters. Like you can't be like, oh yeah, we're not gonna sponsor you now. Like that's just, nah, that's that's not the way to go about it. It's not the way to go about it at all. Um, I know that eventually they ended up giving us money, but they, this should never even been a news story. They should have paid them in the first place. Well, you know what's crazy? They actually gave them the money because they got shamed by countless MMA sites. You know, including you know sites like Middle Easy and all that. They were like, really? And it was funny because. They put all the guys, Middle Easy, in, in their write-up. They were like, here were all the sponsors on his banner. And it, and it was like, you know, you guys can probably figure it out through process of elimination. Like, it, it wasn't even like people were saying, oh, you know, we're going to respect the company. It was like, no, man, you know, this guy went out there, bled, and deserved to get paid. Yeah, basically, I mean, it doesn't matter how to play with Like, you're sponsoring it. That's why I'm always interested to see what how Nike handles, especially a company like Nike handles their, the way they do their sponsorships, because MMA is such a volatile sport that anybody can lose in an completely embarrassing fashion any time. Um, go ahead. And, huh? No, go ahead. And, like, I, you have to understand that when you call and sponsor these fighters. That's why, wait, like I said, that's why I'm interested to see how Nike does it. Like, you know, can't, uh, you know, Santos just got embarrassed by Cain Velasco. Like, he got smashed for five straight rounds. Nike didn't even didn't hear anything about Nike taking that money. Like, Nike's still paying him. Like, if John Jones goes out here in the off chance gets knocked out by Chell Sonnen, Nike's still going to pay him. So it's 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 really bushly to be like, yeah, now nah, we're not going to pay you because you did that. Like, you knew what you you know what you're sponsoring. Well, that's the thing too, and even in Nike's case, Nike Nike's going to look at it the same way they look at it with 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 sports teams. It's the same thing. It's like, yo, you're not going to win them every year. You're not going to win every game. It's all about the mainstream appeal of the athlete themselves. Like, you mean to tell me that Nike's going to pull out, even though, you know, there might be, you know, hundreds and thousands of Brazilians wearing Anderson's, Anderson Nose and JDS Nose t-shirts. You're, you're going to give up that money because the guy had one bad night. You know what I mean? That It doesn't logistically make any sense. No, it doesn't. It's just—it's not good business. It's not good business, and especially like like I keep like we keep saying, it's MMA. Like in in every sport, you can lose. So for them to be like, yeah, we're not going to pay you because you lost, is just asinine. Like I just I just don't understand it. How do you feel with with Bellator's chances now on Spike TV? Do you think that they have the the leverage behind them, including the lead in from Impact to? to make a, a strong case against the UFC or do you just feel that they're still 
the not the lower tier promotion, but just the 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 other promotion, not second, but you know, just the other television based MMA promotion. I think I think they've they've shoehorned themselves nicely into a number two spot. Uh, I don't think they'll ever get above a number two spot. Like, there's not going to be another MMA company that's competing with the UFC. Like, you can like throw pebbles at the giant, but it, it's I mean, if the UFC notice like just begins to like fuck with them, like they can mess mess up Bellator. But the UFC has doesn't feel threatened by Bellator, and there's a reason for that. Bellator and the UFC are kind of the way they run are separate. The whole tournament aspect and all that. I think Bellator has a nice little niche that they're filling. They're going to be the number two um, MMA organization in the world, uh, probably for the foreseeable future. Um, if they can hold on to their fighters, um, they're going to be a good number two promotion. I think Spike really helps them. It looks it looks better. Like I'm 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 actually got it on mute right now watching, uh, and it, it looks better. Like it, it looks better than it did on MTV Two. You can tell the production's better. Um, I mean, it just depends on you know, who they end up signing and how these fights go. Um, but I, I, I do think it is a really good thing that they come on right after wrestling um, because you, you're going to get some of those those um, carryover fans. Like, they're just not going to stop watching. And uh, I don't know. I, I think I think Bellator is going to be a good number two promotion, but I don't, I don't think they'll ever really compete with the UFC. Yeah, I just turned around and just noticed your boy is uh, Ben Askren. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he loses. Yeah, ho, ho, uh, you you and countless other people are hoping that. But um, switching gears from Bellator, let's get into UFC on FX, which, again, a surprisingly solid card. Edson Barboza, your yeah. boy, coming in there, submission by strikes in the first. They really shouldn't have been a submission. There was terrible wrestling on this card. Like, dudes getting just mauled, like, the dude he was beating up, like there was nothing he could do at that point. Like he, he might have, he should have just gone ahead and called the fight, but that's why he tapped. But yeah, Edson looked really good. Um, you know, uh, I know a lot of people were like really down on him after he lost to Jamie Varner, but I still think the dude is, is a really good fighter. Um, and he looked really good as soon as the dude got wild, he caught him with that jab, had him, had him stepping in potholes and knocked him out. That's how you're supposed to do it. Yeah, I was, I, you know, Edson Barboza is a, is a guy that that's always on the cusp of of greatness. You know, the guy's ten and one. It's not like he's a slouch, and um, you know, he, he, he again he had a bad showing, but that's not gonna take away from the fact that he's that he's a great competitor and definitely somebody to keep an eye on. You know, in the lightweight division. Yeah, most definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, Edson. Edson... Hopefully they put him up against uh, in a good uh, another good fight, and he does the same thing. You know, he's just got to – I mean, people need to realize he's only had 11 fights. Like, he's still really young in his career. He's still improving, and I, I think he'll be a really good lightweight. I don't know if he'll ever get a title, but I think he'll continue being a good lightweight. Uh, Khabib taking on Thiago Tavares, man. Thiago Tavares ate a serious uppercut and got dropped. I was like, holy shit. You know, like that guy came out of nowhere, 18-0. And just smashed them immediately. And again, what you were saying with the refs, you know, like like it was just a brutal, brutal KO. Yeah, that was another one that could have been stopped. I don't know, twenty elbows earlier. Like it could be, uh, I can't say his name. There's Donald Dolph or whatever. <laughs> you said his name. You know, he doesn't have the greatest, most technical striking, but he hits really, really hard, and he did a really good job, knocked him out, and then threw about a billion elbows before they start the fight. Uh, he did a really good job. Now I don't under, 
understand why he wants to call out Nate Diaz because that's not going to end well. Yeah, don't do that like, to yourself. Just because like, Nate Diaz is lost, don't don't. You people out here calling him out, like KJ News calling Nate Diaz out, I believe, and 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 Khabib dudes, like don't don't do that to yourself. Didn't, like, didn't, he still might be the best in the world. <laughs> didn't KJ get served by Nick Diaz though? He did. I mean, he the first time they fought, he cut him, and that's how. Yeah, I, that yeah, because of the cut. He, yeah, and then he did. He didn't do terribly, but Nate Diaz at one fifty five would hit him with probably a fifty punch combo and then choke him out. Like it wouldn't even be a competition. Like that's not even no. Like I, I think Nate Diaz is a better fighter than Nick Diaz at one fifty five. Now overall, Nick Diaz is a better fighter, but I think Nate at one fifty five is. You don't want those problems. The dude going to be calling out Nate Diaz. <laughs> I like I like I like your 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 spin on that. It's like, dude, you you don't want that. You don't. <laughs> yeah, just leave dude alone. Let him let him let him. I don't know who that put him up against next, but let, let leave dude alone. Don't don't call him out. <laughs> I was I was happy to see Gabriel Gonzaga back on the on the winning track, taking that submission on off of Ben Rothwell. Very very nice standing guillotine. Drop Rothwell like a like a sack of potatoes. It was it was really nice to see, only because Gonzaga's a guy that he's another gatekeeper for the for the heavyweights, you know? He can definitely go out there and put on a good performance, but him getting near the belt with, with guys like Kane and JDS and Overeem out there, eh, a little suspect. But he's still he's another guy I, I'd put him up there with big country as guys that are that are worth keeping around for that division. Yeah, I mean, Gabriel Gonzaga is a good heavyweight jiu-jitsu artist. He can punch really hard because it's really big. Uh, will he ever count for a title? No. But, I mean, he's, he's a good fighter to just test out young fighters against. Like, you think you're 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 getting better? Throw him up against Gabriel Gonzaga, which they've done recently. I mean, he fought Shane Carlin when Shane Carlin was on the way up. He fought Brendan Shaw when Brendan Shaw was on the way up. Um, you know, he, he's going to be a gatekeeper to the stars probably for the rest of his career. And it's a decent living. I mean, if you don't, you know, it's a decent living. He'll ne- he'll never be he'll never be a champion, but he'll always be a good fighter. I was a little torn on the CB Dalloway fight only because, you know, Dalloway, you know, it was weird that the way some of those rounds went because I I really felt that in some of them, you know, Daniel Serafian felt felt more he was more the aggressor. In some of those in some of those rounds, I thought Daniel Serafian uh, won the fight. I thought he won the first two rounds, even with the flurry at the end of the second round, because he was beating up CB Dollar with that whole round. Yep. Um, I thought he won the first two rounds. I thought he I thought he lost the last round, but I thought he won the first two rounds. Um, it, it it's unfortunate, but he put on a good show. I mean, it's not like he's about to get cut. Um, he put on a good show. I personally think Daniel Serafian could probably drop to 170 because dude built like a little brick. Like he's like five nine and built like a brick. Like you need to lose some of that muscle. That's not that's not a good look. But uh, he he did he did a good job um, against a, a decent fighter in CB Dalloway. But um, um, I thought he won. Uh, I thought it was. I didn't think it was like a robbery or anything like that. But I thought he won the fight. Yeah, I was. I I kind of felt. It was it was really close to call, but it wasn't super close to the point where Dalloway could have could have ran away with it. 
But, you know, that that's what happens when you leave it in the hands of the judges. Basically, I mean, he... I, I just I just thought he clearly won the first two rounds, even even with the flurry, because CB Dollar did, you know, hurt him at the end of the round two, but I, I, just, I just thought that everything he was doing for the other four minutes and 30 seconds, he won the round, but apparently the judges thought different. I thought that was unfortunate. Well, let's talk, let's talk about Vitor Belfort murder death killing Michael Bisping with a head kick. Um it it was funny because Bisping looked really good in that first round. He got he had some great boxing, some nice jabs, but it was it was funny because and they showed this in the in the post in the post fight show that when Belfort landed that high kick in the first round, he knew that that he can slip that in there. He could slip a high kick in there and catch him. Like it wasn't it wasn't by mistake that he caught him in the second because he bagged him with it in the first. Yeah, Vitor Vitor set that kick up really nicely, um, especially in the second round. Like the, the problem that it seems with with Michael Bisping, besides the fact that when he gets into a position where he can win, get to the title, he gets knocked all the way the fuck out two times now. Um, the problem with Michael Bisping is he tends to like walk into power shots. He did yep. the same thing with Dan Henderson. He did it with, in this fight. Like he walked into it both times. Um, uh, what was I say? Um, he did an excellent job. Vitor Belfort did an excellent, excellent, excellent job of setting up that head kick. Uh, he hit him with it in the first round, and then in the second round, he threw two body kicks, two really nice body kicks. And then as soon as um, as soon as um, he ducked down. He got hit with the head kick. It, it landed perfectly. Um, it, it was. It was. Hey, that's that's what you're supposed to do. It's unfortunate that Michael Bisping will probably never get his title shot. He'll never get his chance to get his ass whooped and be made a gift by a <laughs> silver <But>, um, <laughs> But you know, he um, did a really good job. Um, I don't know what he was talking about at the end of the fight um, when he went off into a wild tangent about getting a rematch with John Jones and hating Joe Sonnen and Jesus. I don't I don't know what he was talking about. The but uh angry yeah, I mean, he was he was um well we were talking about just Ben the Ben Henderson angry God talk. Yeah, just just mad about your love for Jesus. Like there's no reason to be that angry. <laughs> but you know you know what's funny, he's talking about, you know, take that bum out, put me in to fight John Jones and, and, and Chael, Chael had the following, and I wanted to share it with you. Check this out. Oh, son, I don't even know your name, man. Get out. Dana, Lorenzo, take him out. Let me fight John Jones. I need that rematch. Take that car away. Go home. You did a reality show. Go home. Let me fight the real champion. Champion against the champion. Not that clown. Chael. What do you think about that? This man tells you, saying that you don't belong in the position to fight John Jones? Well, listen, let me be really clear and speak directly to you, Vitor. You've been telling the world that you want to meet Jesus, and I will gladly arrange that travel. But first, I'm going to get rid of John Jones, but you are next. You were somewhat impressed with him tonight, though, yes? <laughs> see, see what happens. You see. That, that was that that uh, sometimes <laughs> funny. Other times I find him like annoying, but that was funny because Vitor Belfort sounded like a crazy person in the first place. Yeah, v I don't even know what Vitor Belfort was talking about. Dude, v oh. Vitor was going super super ham, 
you know, real aggressive God powers. And Chael is like, dude, I will arrange that meeting. And frankly, you know, a fight between him and Chael would be bananas. But, you know, the rumors now are Vitor and Luke Rockhold, which before we get into the Ultimate Fighter, I wanted to talk about because Vitor and Luke Rockhold, we always make jokes about Rockhold being sacrificed to Anderson Silva and just getting murked. But but putting him in there with Vitor, man, I don't know. That, that may not be a good idea either at this point. I, I mean, I, I think Luke Rockhold would be Vitor. Um, you think so, huh? He's a fighter and everything. But I, I, I think Luke Rockhold would beat him. Um, I, I don't, Luke Rockhold doesn't have the, defici- the, the defensive deficiencies of uh, Michael Bisping. Like I, I think Luke Rockhold would be able to stay away from Vitor blitzing him or... I think Luke Rockhold would probably implement basically the same exact game plan John Johnson. Like, I think Luke Rockhold is completely capable of keeping Vitor away on the outside with kicks and taking him down and probably submitting him. I mean, um, I think I think he would be able to do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think he would uh, be able to be. Vitor is a good fighter and everything, but he ain't. Well, you know what's... What, He's not go ahead. amazing or anything. Yeah, go ahead. Well, no, with Vitor, this is the funny thing. As soon as the dude loses, everyone's like, ah, you know, whatever. But as soon as he wins, people are like, you see, the old lion. They start using the fucking old lion analogy. I'm like, yo, the dude lost, the dude won, and then he won, you know, he lost against John Jones, then he won again. It's like, it's like, this is what happens in fighting. Like, stop coming up with the buzzwords and the analogies and the bullshit. It's like, yo, you win and you lose. You can't write the guy off. He's not a bum. But it's just like you you see the fickleness just running rampant all of a sudden. Like at least I saw twenty five tweets. Like yeah, the, the the old lion went in there and showed the young lion what's up. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? The same dude. <laughs> he he, he Vitor. It seems like 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 uh, a little bit of BJ Penn's fans like he's annoying people like oh old Vitor no it's always the same Vitor just so happens that he won this time <laughs> like that's it like I don't know uh, people MMA fans at times can be fickle and not make any damn sense with their assessments of fights and that's one of them. Well, you know what's funny? Now it's being said that Vitor he was just calling for the opportunity to fight Jones. And re- and and not to fight Chael, and you know supposedly they they said they told Chael Sonnen about that. He's like, yeah, well, he knew better because he knows he'd, he'd get fucked up. You know, he get his ass whooped. <laughs> he said he said something along the lines like, you know, because Vitor's garbage. I was like, holy shit. I mean, I don't. If that was his 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 game plan, it's not like John Jones treated him nicely. <laughs> but dude, that's what John Jones said. John Jones said that in the interview they showed they shared it on um tap tap snap or nap um which is w- one of our friends on Facebook and and they shared that and you know John Jones was like dude it wasn't like our fight was competitive you got the one near submission and then you got 24 minutes of elbows to your face Ver- verbatim it's practically like that it, it's like I understand dude you want it's like, dude, I understand you're hungry and you want to get in there, but yo, come on. Like, I like what Dana said. Dana's like, yeah, Vitor's going to need a couple more fights. Dana went as far as saying, you know, throwing Hector Lombard's name in there. And honestly, Hector Lombard, Vitor Belfort 
would be ridiculous because you know you know somebody's taking that hard nap. Yeah, that that would be a fun fight. Just 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 to see which one of them knocks out the other. I I would thoroughly enjoy that fight. But Vito Belfast is just talking nonsense. I don't I don't even understand his his thinking. <laughs> I just I really don't like when I heard that. Like after I watched that fight, when I heard that, I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? What? Why would you even want to fight John Jones again? Didn't he just beat your ass? Like I don't, I don't understand. But you know. I I tell you what though. And and this is going to be a great segue into the Ultimate Fighter. Chael, Chael is doing it smart because he knows it's like I get dudes to talk about me, and they ask me for a comment. I ether them on national television, and then I have myself a nice potential matchup down the road. Because think about it, say you know if the if if John if he if John Jones beats him, it's like all right, what now? But it's like you could give him a fight with Vitor, you could give him a fight with Vanderlei, because you know him and Vanderlei got beef. You could give him a fight with with uh, with the with with the other Noguera brother, you know, at two hundred five. So it it's not it's not like like he's offended and annoyed enough people that he's got himself a a a, a card a, a fight on every card that's going to be televised regardless of the outcome. Yeah, basically. I mean, smart marketing, that, dude. That's what Chell's job. I mean, that's what Chell's job is. That's what Chell has become. He has become an, an antagonizer, um, regardless of how things would go with John Jones. Even though it's, I won't say it's a foregone conclusion because this is MMA, but it's a very close to one. Um, but regardless, he he has about a million different people he can fight after this and, and be interesting matchups. Chell's done a really good job with that. I'll give Chell complete credit with that. And plus. Most of these dudes he can beat. Like uh, most of the dudes you named outside of John Jones, he can beat and probably handle it. So, yeah, but you know what's funny? It's like, uh, uh, like at two oh five, there, there's there's a, a ton of prospects. You're gonna you could do him in DC, which would be a which would be a nice fight. He could go down to eighty five, fight Rashad. That'd be a good fight at eighty five. Lombard at eighty five. All these fights, I mean, all all these fights, I, I, I honestly believe he could win. Like, uh, he could beat Lombard, he could beat, well, I don't know if he'd beat Rashad. I don't know. In fact, I don't think he'd beat Rashad. I think Rashad would be able to stuff to take out. You think, um, you think Chael's wrestling isn't, Lombard. you think Chael's wrestling isn't better than Rashad's? I think Chael's wrestling is, is pretty fucking good when he his decides to use it. Is better, his offensive wrestling is, but I, I honestly think Rashad would be able to, Stop the takedown and beat him up on the feet. Like it, it would. It I think that fight will look really similar to when Chell fought um Bisping. Um, and I think he lost to Bisping. I think it would look similar to that fight. Like Chell, if Chell can't keep you down, he has real issues, and I don't think he'd be able to keep Rashad down. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Well. Rashad's talking about, you know, I want to fight Anderson Silva. Everybody, every, dudes, are, dudes are shuffling weight like it's nobody's business. That's that's not a fight. He, yeah. he don't want that. <laughs> I mean, he, I think he could possibly do something similar to Chell. The only problem is, can you do it for five rounds and not get hit in the face? True. Like, that. that's the whole thing. Like, I don't think Rashad would get tapped like Chell did, but... 
if Ansel Silver hits him in the face, it's probably going to be over. Well, now that now that we forecasted Chael's career, let's let's get let's get into the new season of the Ultimate Fighter, which I gotta say, based on editing alone, on editing, not even us getting into the fights, on editing alone, it has the makings of a better fucking season. Just on editing. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I really like the way they've edited it. It feels less real world with fights and more like a, a show about fights. Like, like it, it, tough started feeling like it was a real world. Like, hey, look, look at them in the house. Let's talk shit about each other on these sit-down camera interviews. Blah, 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 blah. And then let's let me bang, bro, and all that other shit. Like, this feels like more more serious, more more dire. Like, it, it just feels... It feels more uh, like a fight. Like, it feels like these fights matter more. Right. Not only that, but the, the buildup of the fights to get into the house ran so quickly and so effortlessly. Not only that, but it was also a, a combination of, you know, good finishes that helped push that along. You know, you had, um, you know, Jake Hewen, Adam Sella. Sella took that boom by submission, you know, in the first. Uh, Cummings taking on Fiquette, another one, punches, quick, round one, just out of the way. I mean, all the fights, I think, except one I read online, um, uh, ended in the first round, um, and they were all excited. Like, not a single one of those fights were, like, boring to watch. Um, I mean, and that might have been just editing, because they could have been boring there, but the, ed- the way they edited it, um, it, they didn't look boring. Um, it was fast-paced. It looked like they have some decent fighters on this season, um, and, like, Uriah Hall, who I heard about, because I think his only two losses are, like, Chris Wyman and Casa Phillip. Like, that's it. Um, Uriah Hall, Clint Harris, uh, um, uh, Jared Smith. Like, there, there's some good fighters on the season. Like, I, I'm I'm, um, I'm looking forward to the season. Um, I kind of wish they would have done flyweights. Um, I think at some point they will do flyweights. But I'm, I'm somewhat looking forward to the season just because it, it just it, the editing, the way it's done, uh, just it, it's, it's better. Um, I just feel like they've done a really good job of updating the series. Well, you know, what's funny. The the first thing Dana White was like, you know, this is the highest rated tough since the jump to FX. And it's like, yeah, because last season was fucking dog shit, dude. You had two coaches last that season. nobody gave a shit about, one coach that ended up getting injured, and just, just piss poor editing. Yeah, yeah that, that last season. And the craziest thing about that last season is no no fighters except the, the two finalists got in the UFC. Like, normally they'll keep the majority of the fighters. Like, you'll get a chance. Nah, none of them. Not a single one yeah, got to the UFC. And that says a lot about that season. Like, that season was terrible. Like, I watched three episodes and, like, this is absolute garbage. Like, why am I watching this? <laughs> well, it was it was bad, too, because there was no... Not to say that there wasn't any animosity, but it wasn't. It just wasn't on the same level. Like Chael, Chael and John Jones did um, a media tour here in New York City. They showed up on Opie and Anthony. They showed up on a lot of shows, and and they were doing it the right way. And you could tell that they were they were promoting it together and having fun. But you can also see that there's still a little there. There were still you know tinges of, of beef there. Just little subtle comments. 
like uh, when I saw them on ESPN, um, they were on that first date. Like I saw them, and I was like, they still don't like each other. Like it, it's obvious. Like Chell, Chell especially is playing up like the advertising and everything, doing right. doing what Chell does, but he's not being all WWE hype man mode. But you can tell like John Jones is really doing that kind of stuff. Like John Jones is talking, and you can see John Jones still isn't the hugest fan of Chell Sonnen. Like it's just obvious. Like, um, oh yeah, but, you know the, the looks like it's gonna be good. Like, he gives him he gives him the the sideways looks, and of course, you know when they start promoting the other episodes, you kind of start seeing it. And I and I smell it getting to a point where it gets pushed, where where you know people got to get between them because it you can you can see it. It's like it's like when you pick at a scab and you pick at a scab and then you pick at it the wrong way and it starts bleeding. That's what's gonna happen. Like Chael's gonna poke, and then John's gonna poke a little bit. And then it's just gonna be like, holy shit! You know, we gotta get it between these guys because they're gonna beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I mean, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of like the reality show, like oh, let's reality show stuff. But you know, if if that comes about, like I, I will be really interested to see that. Like I, I want to see what brings that about. Like what Chell could say to make John Jones angry because you've never really seen him angry. Like you've right. seen him annoyed. Like, like. Rashad Evans annoyed him, and well, Chelsea has annoyed him, but you've never seen him angry. Like, I, I really want to see what that looked like and if that carried over into the fight. Well, you know who tried too hard to do that? Josh Koscheck with GSP. Remember that? That didn't work out well for him. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't work out well. The only guys who, who started off happy-go-lucky happy go lucky, and then it escalated were Forrest and Rampage. Because remember, that started getting a little crazy. As the se- as the season went on, um, yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah. You know, he, uh, Chuck Chuck and Tito, of course, legendary. Matt, Sarah, and Matt they Hughes. Jump. They hated each other too from the jump. Like I, outside of the Rampage, um, the Griffin one, like they like Rampage and Griffin really didn't have any beef. Like they were just fighting for the title, and it's just like it slowly it burned up because they're in an area with each other all the time like it slowly kept building and building and building until like it just went overboard <laughs> yeah I think I think this season's gonna hopefully set them on the right track um as of right now it's looking like Gilbert Smith is gonna stop by the show in two weeks so we're gonna talk about his experience at the house and um you know he actually has a good relationship with uh one of, one of our guys that we brought on my friend Julius from high school so it's going to be real interesting to see that and for him to share what he can about this season. Because, you know, he won and he got into the house. He had a nice uh, head and arm triangle choke. And a lot of people were talking about, you know, as muscular as he is, if, if cardio is going to be an issue. And, you know, John Jones picked him fairly early. So it's going to be very interesting to see. You know, right now it's looking all signs are pointing to him being on in that first week of February. So if it all goes according to plan... You know, you could come on because I'm sure you're going to want to pick his brain as well. Word. Yeah, most definitely. All right. Like plan. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like a plan. Yeah, so o- overall, like I said, a solid a solid start. Uh, Team Jones right now is Clint Hester, uh, Josh Hammond, Bubba McDaniel, Gilbert Smith, Colin Hart, Adam Sella, Dylan Andrews. Team Sonnen took Luke Barnett. Uriah Hall, Zach Cummings, Tor Tro, Tor Troeng, if that's correct, uh, Jimmy Quinlan, Kevin Casey, and Kelvin Gastelum. 
Not only that, but both both guys came in there with a with a nice solid camp of assistant coaches. I mean, John Jones came in there with Frank Mir to do jujitsu, and if if anybody if anybody can put the stretch on you, it's gonna it's gonna be Frank Mir, and of course Bubba Jenkins um, for wrestling. He's gonna put those guys through the ringer, but not for nothing. Chael Chael got some Chael got you know Vinny Magalesh in there, Randy Couture, uh, Hendo. But I think out of all those guys, one guy that you got to keep an eye on is Mike Dolce, number one, because he was on a previous season of The Ultimate Fighter. And number two, if you start instilling good nutrition and good weight-cutting values from the start, then these guys are going to have very, very good careers in the UFC. Yeah. I'm, 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 the reason I like this season already is because of a couple of the members of the, that I already get it, got in because I knew about them already, and and Clint Harris and Uriah Hall, both of them are really good fighters that this will really benefit. Like what the UFC, like what the original plan for the Ultimate Fighter was to get raw fighters or fighters that you know have some fights on their belt, but you know they're training at a smaller camp or not getting you know good training partners, getting them in the house and you know getting diamonds in the rough. Clint Harris and Uriah Hall are really good fighters that just weren't getting a whole lot of, you know, quality training. Like, I'm, I'm really interested to see what both of them do in this season. Like, it would be really cool if they ended up being in the finals because those are, those are my picks to be in the finals, actually. Well, of, cor- fight before that. well of course, everybody's talking about, you know, the, the ambulance KO, and I am chomping at the bit to see that. Chomping yeah, at the I bit. <laughs> I want to know so bad because Dana White sold it like a motherfucker. I also want to know who's the serial killer he's saying is walking through the house. Yeah, there, there's one dude that everybody's scared to fight, so I'm dying to know who that is because all those dudes in their own right look a little a little off balance, but there's probably going to be one dude that's just going to tur- flip that switch once he gets in the house, and we're going to be like, yeah, it's probably that guy. Yeah, I, I want to know who the person that he's... He's claiming that people are having nervous breakdowns and whatnot about fighting. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna be crazy. Well, let's get into the the MMA news for this week, and I gotta I gotta bring up, of course, first and foremost, um, a fan fra- a fan favorite of mine who's switched gears after his retirement and gone into management and continues to occasionally talk out of his ass, and that is, of course, Tito Ortiz. And of course, we all know Tito Ortiz is is uh, the manager for Chris Cyborg. And, um, you know, they asked him about Cyborg fighting at 135 and, you know, what the deal is with that. And he goes, she's kind of bummed out about it because of the respect that she, that's not being shown to her. She's a world champion. She's defended her title more times than Ronda has ever fought, and she doesn't get respect. She's kind of in the same shoes that I am. She said to me, when I became champion, nothing in my life has changed. Financially, it hasn't changed. So as a manager, it's going to make... I'm going to make sure her life is changed. Now, before I, I get your 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 spin on it, the fact is, when when you, when Cyborg was champion, it wasn't like Strikeforce was caking to give her bread. Not only that, but she was being fed opponents. And number two, we don't know how many time how many of those opponents she beat while she was on the juice to begin with. Yeah. See what I'm saying? There's a couple. There's a couple problems. It, it, you've already described one. Like like you said, Strikeforce wasn't wasn't as big as it became. Um. Two. 
she fought people like Jan Finney, who had a sub five hundred record, like and got like a ten seven round in that fight. Like it's not even they were feeding her people because there was no one in that division. And, and, and three, she doesn't deserve respect because she's no longer a champion. She got stripped of her title. She doesn't have that belt anymore. And you can keep saying I'm a champion. I didn't lose. Nah, you lost because you was roided up. Like it's it is what it is. Like. And it, and it is what it is. The UFC is not out here trying to cater to you. You are not who the UFC brought women in the UFC for. Like, Bingo. It's just that simple. That's, this, you are not that important. Like, if, if Cyborg doesn't come find the UFC, they'll be fine. Like, she's really not that important to them. Like, they would like this fight. It'd be nice. But they want Ronda Rousey to be the cash cow. That's why she's here. So they don't really care if um, Cyborg is offended so what? Like, nobody cares. <laughs> well, she went on to say that she, she kind of felt Liz Carmouche is a warm-up opponent for Ronda Rousey. She says uh, Rousey got a tune-up fight, and she's in the main event. So Tito's like, I think Cyborg deserves a tune-up fight. And, and, and again, this goes back to exactly what you said. Yo, they stripped you of the belt. You're claiming you're a champion. You want a shot. Champions don't need tune-up fights. Champions are ready to bang. Plain and simple. That statement doesn't make any sense either. Like what she called the vast majority of the fight, she was getting strike force. That's thank you. She was getting cans. I, I go back to Jan Finney. It was six and seven when she fought her. Six and seven. That was it. Like you, you can't. Be, and Liz Kamush, though I don't think she'll beat Ronda Rousey, has a legit shot to do so because she's a very good athlete and a very good wrestler. She has a legit shot to do so. Dude, when Cyborg fought but, Gina, she didn't have Gina didn't even have that many fights. Yeah, Gina, 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 I think only had like seven or eight fights at that time. That's what Crazy. I'm saying. Like, like, this, 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 I deserve all this respect. No, you don't, though. Like, you can go fight an Invicta. Like, if, if it's that serious, you can go fight an Invicta. But that's it. Like, that's, 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 you either fight in the UFC, do what they want you to do, or you can go fight an Invicta, which isn't a huge step down, but you're going to be making the money that you're going to be in there making in the UFC. And you need to stop complaining. Like it's it, 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 cyborg. It's fun to watch uh, beat up women and all that. But at this point, she become annoying because there's all this. Oh, I deserve this respect. You don't because you got caught cheating. You no longer have that title. You don't deserve that respect because you lost it. It's that simple. Well, here, here's the here's the kicker with regards to that too. If you remember, Brock Lesnar came in and he was like, "I want to fight for the belt." And Dana White's like, "Yeah, well, how about you win some fights first? It's like. You you yeah. Unless you come in as a champion with a belt in hand, then you can make demands. But you're coming in stripped of a belt because you were on juice. It's impossible to make any demands. Like like Dana White is gonna look at you and be like, "You shouldn't even you shouldn't even be breathing the same air as me until you win a fight." Yeah, basically. I mean, she has no choice but to do what the UFC says. I don't give her damn what Tito thinks should happen. Yeah, but Tino should know better. Tino should know better about that shit. Yo, you cheated, you cheated. How many times has Tito, as soon as he finds out that somebody may have been a little dirty or something, he'll be like, oh, you know, then then my performance wasn't, you know, it was good because this person was this or I wasn't at 100%. And we accept that. It's like, dude, you want us to buy that she cheated, legit cheated, got stripped, and we're supposed we're supposed to accept 
that she can just stroll in and challenge for the belt at, at, at her old weight class mind you she believes that she deserves it I, I don't see why um, she believes that she deserves it there's nobody up there at 145 there's a reason they were just feeding her women like there's nobody at 145 nope I don't know. The, the whole issue is ridiculous, and Tito Ortiz is being Tito Ortiz. Like I, I, I've been a fan of Tito Ortiz, too, but sometimes he does things that make you be like, dude, shut the fuck up. That's what I'm like, saying. Talking. <laughs> but, you know, on, on the flip side, though, UFC publicly shared their UFC 156 card, you know, barring any injuries, fingers crossed. We get to look forward to, you know, Jose Aldo, Frankie Edgar, Rashad, and Little Nog. The Ream, Bigfoot Silva, John Fitch, Damian Maya, and Joe Benavidez against one of my favorites, Uncle Creepy. And on the FX card, Evan Dunham, Gleason Tebow, Tyrone Woodley, Jay Haran, which which we know, we we're hoping is 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 going to be as as competitive as possible. Uh, Bobby Green coming and taking on Christmas Volkman, Eve Edwards taking on Isaac Valley Flag, and then Facebook is getting. Uh, Chico Camus and Dustin Camora and Edwin Figueroa and Francisco Rivera on the Facebook prelims. So February 2nd. Not bad, right? I, I'd actually shell out $60 for this card because the main card alone has, has some some legit fights right there. Yeah, that, that, that sounds like a really good card. Like I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to some of the, some of the, 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 the Facebook fights. Like Francisco uh, Rivera and um, Edwin Figueroa should be a good fight. Um, the Ian McCall fight uh, with uh, Justin Rodriguez should be a good fight. Like, there's some really good fights on that card. Um, we look forward to that card. Um, yeah, that that's going to be a really, really, really good card. I gotta, I gotta just pl- go ahead. But no, go ahead. What I was gonna say is, I wanted to pluck out of there that John Fitch Damian Maya fight is 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 such a question mark because John Fitch could come in there and and have you know John Fitch 2.0 performance. And take it to Maya, but Maya can also choke him out in the blink of an eye. Almost definitely, uh, that should be a good fight. Like I, I'm, I'm really interested to see what, how John Fitz like goes about that fight. I mean, John Fitz is, I've heard, impossible to choke. Like, uh, um, uh, Eric Silva like had a rear naked choke in, and he just didn't tap out, and then turn around and beat Eric Silva's ass. So I'm I'm really interested to see how this fight goes. Like this should be a really really good fight. I mean, all of those fights just sound really really good. Like I hope everything works out. Hope Joe Auto doesn't get on any more motorcycles or any other stupid <laughs> shit. And he actually gets to fight. It's it's like, dude, you got like two weeks. Keep it together. Yeah, Joe well, to be as crazy as does some really dumb shit and gets himself injured. Well, I'm well. One thing I gotta say though, if Aldo beats Edgar, what then? Um, that's why I call it the Edgar. I wouldn't make this move because what did you do? Like, if, first of all, I'm picking Aldo. Like, I, I, I firmly believe Aldo is probably going to be picking Edgar. I don't know if he'll knock him out. It wouldn't surprise me if he did. But where do you go from there? I mean, Frank Edgar is big enough or small enough. He actually can drop to 135. Like, what and fight Barrow? It's like fighting Jose Aldo yeah, all over again. <laughs> like I, I don't, I don't think they would do that. But like he need, 
That's why if I was Frank Gator, I wouldn't have made this move. Because I would, I would just stay at 155. Because if you go down, lose to Jose Aldo, nothing you can do but either stay down there, probably beat everybody else, and not not get another fight. Or you can go back to 155. I actually thought he beat Ben Henderson the second time. You know, go back up, uh, win some fights, and get back to the belt, which I believe by the time he gets back to the belt will be Gilbert Melendez's. So... I don't know. Frankie Edgar, I hope for his sake that he has a backup plan because this could end really poorly. Well, if Jose Aldo were to make the jump to 55, Jose Aldo, Ben Henderson, how would you see that? I would love to see that too, but I, I just don't think Ben Henderson is going to have the bell by then. <laughs> I, I believe this is going to beat Ben Henderson. Like, I, just, I just don't think he'll have the bell then. All right, so, so, so let's, go, let's go your route. Jose Aldo, El Nino. That would be a really good fight. I think Gil Melendez would be able to beat Jose Aldo just because Gil Melendez is not small. Like I, I think he'll be able to physically beat up Jose Aldo. Actually, I think Ben Henderson probably would be able to do a similar thing. I don't, I don't know. I would love. I gotta see Jose Aldo at 145. Like I, I hear that he's a really big 145er, but like you can't tell without seeing him. But like in real life. But like, I'd, I'd have to see what like his strength and everything looks like at 135. Dude, I, I think I think will be able to beat him though. Those leg kicks at 55, dude, would put some hurt on some dudes. Those leg kicks. When he throws them, man, he 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 tore Uriah Faber's leg apart. <laughs> like when he when he's out here just throwing leg kicks, like it's it's not it's not a game. Well, you know, you know, it's funny. Right after that, you jump right into UFC 157, which, as of right now, is finalized. You know, Rousey and Carmouche in your main event, Hendo and Machida, Favor and Menjabar, Manny Gambiri and Chad Mendes, Josh Koscheck and Robbie Lawler, which should be a fucking war, without question. I'm hoping that Robbie gets that KO. Robbie Lawler. Um... It's one of my favorite fighters. Like I love watching this dude knock people out because it's incredibly brutal every time. Like, oh, it's violent! It's violent, man. I think Josh Koscheck may do the two step. He may do like when you knock out Glass Joe and punch out and do the little dance before he hits the ground. Because it, it's true. Like Ro- <laughs> Robbie Lawler is not. It's not a question of him coming in and setting you up with jabs and shit. It is swinging the equivalent of 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 the H bomb to your face. Yeah, dude, dude. If he if he if he lands, and, and he carries that power one seventy too. Like like people forget. Like when he was in the UFC, he was at one seventy. I mean, he got his ass beat by Diaz, but outside of that, he was in. He was he was beating dudes up. So I don't know. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that fight. There's there's, there's a good, these next couple fight cards are really really good. Well, of course, this weekend Rampage's last fight, and he was in the news this week. You know, upset that UFC wouldn't let him rock Reebok for whatever reason, wearing them crazy-looking Reebok shoes that I saw, those all-terrain shoes, which are... Look, I'm sorry. I, I, I like sneakers. I almost fall into hype beast territory, but not too bad. But, fuck, are those some ugly shoes? Shit! <laughs> yeah, those 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 were... Yeah, no, those, those were... Those were ugly. I... I'm, I'm a sneakerhead too myself, and yeah, I'm not buying 
use for those Reeboks. And I feel, I feel um, bad for him, too, because he's like, you know, they don't want to let me wear Reebok. And, you know, and Rampage, the problem is with Rampage, I kind of want him to wrap it up and step back from the sport because I think he's just become so bitter with the organization that it's just affected him across the board. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're so bitter about something that it just, it boils over into your real life. That's Rampage at this point. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't. See, the only problem I have with Rampage is, like, he's become a hypocrite, too. Like, talking about, oh, John, well, not a hypocrite, but just, just over the top, like, just mad. Like, oh, John Jones' oblique kicks and his spinning back elbows should be illegal. Oh, people try to wrestle me all the time. Dude, your first, like, 15 fights, that's all you did was slam people. What are you talking about? He powerbombed the dude in high school wrestling. They showed a video of that. If you look for it on YouTube, him powerbombing the dude, it's like, that's what you did. Like, you just recently, when you got, basically when you got to the UFC, decided, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not wrestling anymore. Even though back when he was in Pride and fighting in Gladiator Channels in the WFA, he was wrestling. All he really did. I mean, he boxed, but his whole thing was slamming people. That was his whole thing. But I don't know. I mean, I'm a Rampage fan. or well, I was a Rampage fan. I'm not this new Rampage fan. But he he needs to take a step back. Like, I'm hearing that he would or lose. He's going to leave the UFC and end up probably going to Bellator or something. Hopefully, he takes a couple, like, some time away from the yep. sport. He needs like, the time away. He's get, way too bitter. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, just get, get, get your mind right before you come back. Because I mean, he can win the Bellator tournament and probably, probably fight King Mo. Like, there, there's very few people out here, like outside the UFC, that can beat up Rampage Jackson. The problem is, like, he's got to, he's just got to get his mind in the right place. Well, here's the thing, too. It's like you don't want to wrestle, but yet you want to do the, you want to be theatrical and. And, you know, you want to do movies, and you want to do, you know, you. It, he reminds me of when Allen Iverson was in the, in the NBA, and he's like, practice? What practice? Same same <laughs> shit. Like, Rampage is like, yeah, I could, I could, I could whoop ass. Oh, I, I got to do wrestling drills? Nah, nah, nah. We don't got to do that. No, no. He's falling into that BJ Penn shit, too, where, like, dudes is just like, nah, Rampage, you don't got to do that. Like, you need a dude to be like, yo, you were built on wrestling you want to box use your wrestling to set up your striking but use your wrestling it's That's like yo you're, you I mean, you're an A-class wrestler John Jones choked you out not to take anything anything away from John Jones's ability but why didn't you wrestle that's what that's what you built your career on it, it, like I mean even though I don't think Prime Rampage probably still would be John Jones if, if you look at him when he fought Dan Henderson, I think that was the last, to me, that's the last great Rampage uh, performance. He uses jab effectively. He wrestled effectively. All this stuff. And then, like, from that fight on, it was almost like, yeah, I don't need to do any of that. So I'm not setting up my punches with jabs anymore. I'm just swinging haymakers. I'm just going to... That's how he caught Chuck with the haymaker. Yeah, that's how he caught Chuck. But, like, at that time, Chuck was already on his way out. Like, Chuck... Chuck was already on his way out. I yeah, mean, but Chuck wasn't even that. seeing that. Well, Chuck wasn't even seeing that haymaker, and that's the thing. Like, it's not like Rampage throws him and you don't see him coming. Yeah, like that, that's the thing. Like, he just 
he just became so predictable after that Dan Henderson fight, which was a great fight, by the way. If anybody hasn't seen the Dan Henderson Rampage fight for like the, the five, that was five rounds of Rampage just putting on a clink. Like Rampage was great at that time. He was the best light heavyweight in the world. Then, somewhere after that fight, he just more or less just lost the desire to train, lost the desire to wrestle, lost the desire to set up punches. He just became, I'm swinging haymakers, and that's it. Like that's all I'm doing out here. And he won him some fights, but. I mean, he, he's, not, he's nowhere near as good as he used to be. Well, I, I feel bad, too, you know, because he's training at the, at the Wolf's Lair. Not to say that the Wolf's Lair is a bad gym, but the Wolf's Lair is catering to his strengths, and they're not trying to help him plug his weaknesses. You know what I mean? Like, like he, should, he, it, it's a, he should be one of those guys that you go and you train in a couple of different camps. Maybe you come down here, you train with Phil Nurse to work some Muay Thai. Maybe you go to Gracie camp. Work on some jujitsu. Maybe you work with uh, Greg Jackson for a little bit. You know what I mean? But just start expanding that move set because your career is not over. Like it's not like Rampage has been KO'd or or viciously beaten where he can write off his career. It's not. Nah. He he just got to find his desire to do that kind of thing, and I don't I don't think at this point he will ever find that desire again to do this thing. Like, I think he'll go to Bellator, probably win a tournament, probably fight King Mo, probably lose King Mo, and then wrestle GNA. Like, I, I just think that's his next career move because um, he, just, he just seems to not care anymore. Shit, if he does wrestling, he'll be able to slam people every day. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, hey, if, that's what, if that's what you want to do, shit. <laughs> Well, while we're on the subject of slams and the last bit of MMA news for this week, uh, Matt Hughes officially retired. Uh, that was a foregone conclusion. I thought he already did it. I know, but but it's like official, and he got a nice little title now, Vice President of Athlete Development and Government Relations. I don't even know what <laughs> that means. I mean, I, they just want to give him a like, what, what they're doing with a lot of these fighters after you retire, they're just giving them a job, which is cool, which is fine. Uh, <laughs> unless you're Tito. Give them a job. <laughs> well, unless you're Tito, because Tito is, you know. Tito's Tito. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're, they're not trying to give Tito no job. But, um, yeah, uh, good for Matt Hughes. Uh, he, he, was, he was really the first, like, number one. He was the first dude that you could say was, like, number one pound for pound fighter. Like, he... In, a, in the time that he was dominating, he was straight up dominating welterweights. So, uh, good for Matt Hughes. He he is one of the best welterweights of all time. Yeah, defended his Maybe belt six times. You know, six six title defenses before he lost the belt to BJ at UFC 45. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> uh, which I kind of wish BJ had never won that fight because now BJ believes that he's a welterweight, and that was at UFC 45. And I don't think he'd want to fight at welterweight. <laughs> UFC 45. And then, of course, you know, handed GSP his first ever career defeat in MMA. You know, he's, he's got a he's got a nice little resume. I'm not I'm not mad at the way he went. You know, 45 and nine overall, 18 and seven in the UFC. It, he'll probably go around. He'll shake hands. He'll show up at events and stuff. He'll he'll be a face for the company. And and honestly, not even not even to be a, a douche about it, but. If if I was gonna send somebody to do client you know government relations, 
I'm not sending Chuck. <laughs> I wouldn't send neither one of them at all. Chuck or him. But Matt Hughes is better spoken, though. He's better spoken, but he's also, like, uh... Country like, as hell. Psychopath. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's way way Like, if you, if you read Matt Hughes' book, um, Matt Hughes is not a great person. Nah, <laughs> man. He... <laughs> he's, like, and he's, like, completely aware with it and fine with it. Like, I wouldn't send him nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> he's got He's got questionable ethics, and, you know, it's funny... Because, you know, they're, they're trying to get MMA sanctioned here in New York. And as soon as I read that, I said, don't send Matt Hughes over here. <laughs> don't send Matt Hughes over here for the hard sell. Don't. Send Lorenzo, Dana, get on a plane. Don't send any of these guys to come and speak for you. Send Ronda, you know, send some eye candy. Send Ariani and them, and then you guys come through and that's it. But don't don't send Chuck and, and don't send Matt Hughes. <laughs> All it takes is one reporter to go, don't you like shooting stuff on the regular? Like, oh, here we go. <laughs> it's all it's yeah, going to take, man. Basically. Like, as soon as they ask him a question, it's, uh, nah. Nah, he's going to say something insane. Like, yeah, I like, I like killing that. I'm like, Matt, no, no. Stop talking. Well, you know, it was... Um, you know what was funny about that with with the with with his views and and what you were saying the 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 news story that of course Dana White had to really put out that fire quick was Ronda Rousey sharing the sharing the video you know the the Sandy Hook video and you know she took it down or whatever and then Dana White it was weird the way it went because Dana White was like dude you know it's not like she said she believed the video she just shared it twenty million people shared it like Dana White was kind of fighting hard. And obviously that paints that, that creep factor you and I were talking about, you know, where it's just like, he could have just been like, yo, she just shared a video that got shared. Let it be. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> there was no defending it. Like, I, I, there was no need to. It was very, yeah, there was no need to defend it. Just like, yeah, she shared a video she shouldn't share, regardless of how she felt about it. And, um, you know, how can I put this? It's good that they've come up with a conduct policy now because these fighters are getting themselves in trouble. Because when you, when you want a bunch of fighters to be like, hey, be on social media all the time. Share every single one of your thoughts all the time. That's not going to work out because even i got to stop myself from pressing sin and I don't get paid to tweet. Like, I don't get paid to tweet. Nope. They do. They're going to say some stupid things. Miguel Torres got himself fired from the UFC for saying stupid things. Uh, Forrest Griffin got in trouble for saying stupid things. Like they're, they're going to say stupid things. It's just it comes with the territory. Yeah, I mean, dude, I, I, I start typing dumb shit, and I'm like, no, let me not do it. And you know, same, same, same thing with with just even even managing the show to a degree. Occasionally, there's certain things I want to say on air and. Not that I'm going to stop myself from saying them, but occasionally you're like, yeah, and then let's not go there. Yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly when to go about it. Cause, but, but see, we're, 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 we don't, we're not getting like necessarily like paid. Like they get paid to have a feeling, a bunch of Twitter followers. Like, hey, you got a billion Twitter followers? You get extra money now. Like you, you're walking a tightrope when you tell somebody that and you want them to share all their thoughts. Like it's just not, it's not a good idea. 
No, I agree. All right, well, that actually wraps up our MMA segment for this week. Of course, you can follow Ben on Twitter at Blackout89. I'm, I'm dying to see who your fighter of the month is because there have been a tremendous amount of great fights this month. And, of course, um, go ahead. Might be multiple might, yeah, multiple might be multiple fighters, and uh, last but not least, you know, uh, sh- share with the audience your uh, your hip hop podcast. Yeah, uh, um, right now um, we're we're working on a way to podcast it. Uh, we haven't worked out some way yet, but uh, right now, um, me, uh, Stefan, who used to uh, write for the site um, with my DK, um, and another one of my friends, uh, Taylor, we have a uh, hip hop uh, YouTube channel. It's uh, hip hop sports. Uh, anime, whatever we feel like talking about at the time, um, called Three Kings, uh, Three Kings Podcast on YouTube, so uh, you guys check it out. Um, at the moment, our sound quality is not the greatest, we're working on that, and uh, yeah, so just check us out, subscribe, and, and, and watch the videos. All I gotta say is, Chief Keef, why? <laughs> why do, why do yeah. you exist? Why? Yeah, yeah Chief Keef is, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't have, yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I will. Uh, I will catch you after this weekend's fights, and um, we'll catch up. All right, man. All right, brother. Thanks again. All right. See ya. All right, that wraps up this week's MMA segment. Of course, like Ben said, you can follow him at Blackout eighty nine. Be on the lookout for his Fighter of the Month and any of his other MMA content on the site. You can also interact with him on our Facebook fan page depending on what MMA videos we put up that's another way that Ben likes to engage with the audience so you can keep up with him that way as well alright we're going to switch gears we're going to jump into this week's wrestling segment we got a lot going on including the Royal Rumble this coming weekend the subpar 3 hour Raw we got to talk a little bit about TNA Impact and a couple of other wrestling news for this week And once again, given their continued impact on multiple WWE programs, this is our theme song for the wrestling segment for this week. We've grown so accustomed to the episodes of various wrestling programs before our pay-per-view as being the the send-off show, the show that's supposed to get you motivated and hungry and ready to rock and roll to spend your money on a pay-per-view where we're so accustomed to them being at least moderately interesting. But on this week's episode of Monday Night Raw, this three-hour build-up to the weekend's Royal Rumble pay-per-view, I honestly felt let down on multiple fronts. And I, and I want to talk about a couple of things. Obviously, they were going to do the beat-the-clock match. And one of the things that bothers me about the beat-the-clock concept is that it's always... It feels more drawn out than it should be considering that the matches should end quickly. 
Now, Antonio Cesaro and Randy Orton had the first beat the clock match, and it was it was it was very good. I think Cesaro and Orton have tremendous chemistry, and I think that if you build it up and Orton become I mean uh, Cesaro becomes a player in the upper card, a feud with Randy Orton would do well. I think that the obviously the RKO out of nowhere is pretty much what's to be expected when you're dealing with Randy Orton in these beat the clock matches, but it was a a solid match. It was definitely a good opener. Uh, right after that, they showed a nice vignette with the Shield, uh, continuing to allow these guys to build on those personas a little bit. Um, I think Rollins is starting to break out more, getting a little bit more comfortable behind the mic. Obviously, Ambrose has all the tools right now. Guy delivers stellar promos. He has a little bit of that creep factor. He knows how to sell the moves good. And, of course, we got Roman Reigns that just comes out there and screams like a lunatic, and that's just becoming his gimmick. He's like screaming powerbomb guy. That's my gimmick. Not that it's a bad gimmick, but I just feel that they really should work just a little bit more to add some personality to Reigns' character because he's going to be one of those guys that Vince McMahon is going to get high off of because you know he's the big jacked up Samoan dude that is, they're going to look at as their next quote unquote rock. And that's what happens. As soon as they pull you up and you're a Samoan and you may be related to the to the the large Samoan families, they're always going to find a way to try and turn you into the next rock, which in my opinion is a huge huge negative on the WWE and that's that the necessity for them to create new stars in the image of pre-existing ones instead of just focusing on creating stars based on their own parameters and when I when I mean their own parameters it's you know you're never going to get another Stone Cold Steve Austin you're never going to get another Dwayne Johnson you're never going to get another Undertaker or another Triple H or another Shawn Michaels as much as you try you will never recreate the NWO or Degeneration X or or things of that nature another Mick Foley it's going to be impossible you can try but all you're going to end up doing is forcing these performers to live up to a standard that is well beyond their means you take a guy like Antonio Cesaro you don't need to book him as the next Stone Cold Steve Austin you don't need to even book him as the next Dwayne Johnson. You just need to book him as a guy who is a great worker and let his personality build his character and his following. I I see it way too often as they search for ways to try and pigeonhole these guys into becoming um, you know, replicas of guys whose whose glory days are gone. You're never gonna get another Ric Flair, regardless of how hard you try. It is not happening. You may get something close but you're never going to get something on par with the original. Simple as that. Let's not even talk about the Big Show and Zack Ryder match because it's just a fucking embarrassment. Not to mention the fact that Zack Ryder will be performing at the Royal Rumble. He's going to be performing Hoski outside, which is just their way of saying, hey, do this shit outside, dance monkey dance, because we don't want to let you into the arena. Ryback and Heath Slater, let's, let's, not, even, let's not even go there. Next week, of course, they promoted the Raw Roulette Wheel, um, Beat the Clock, Dolph Ziggler, and The Miz. Uh, Very, very competitive match. I really think that The Miz's use of the figure four and his relationship with Ric Flair, it just feels a little forced. I've always felt that Dolph Ziggler would have benefited more from a relationship with Ric Flair, but obviously they they shifted gears and they did it with The Miz. 
it's not a bad thing. I mean, the Miz has the Marine coming out, and he needs to be a face to promote that. And giving him a move from the most the dirtiest player in the game, and just a guy who's cheered regardless of whether he's heel or face, it it, it works for him. But in in this particular instance with Dolph Ziggler, I think the chemistry is there, but they're on two different levels. Like the Miz is trying to acclimate himself to being a face. And Dolph Ziggler is trying to acclimate himself to being a main eventer full time. And I think that if each guy is given just a, a, a different kind of feud just to round out their skill set and then brought together, I'd say a year or two down the road, I think we have the makings of a solid, solid rivalry. Obviously, The Miz coming from reality TV and becoming a superstar and Dolph Ziggler coming all the way up from developmental, spirit squad, um, Chavo Guerrero's fucking caddy, Etc. Etc. The stories they they can converge in such a way where, you know, Dolph Ziggler can can cite the fact that the Miz had the opportunities handed to him, and you can create a very very solid feud. I think that the chemistry is there, and those guys, like I said, maybe a year or two, they're going to deliver some great stuff. Caitlyn and Alicia Fox's match. I know they're trying with Caitlyn, but like I said, there's no the, the, the Divas division is so weak right now that this is what's going to happen. We're going to start seeing that that same cookie-cutter fodder that we see every other week. You know, it's going to be Caitlyn and Alicia Fox, Caitlyn and Oksana, Caitlyn and Tamina, Caitlyn and AJ, and then it wash, rinse, and repeat because that that's how thin the roster has gotten. It's unfortunate, but, you know, what can you do? We got ourselves a, a Rocky appearance, which, of course, led to the lights being put out and the Shield just putting a beating on the Rock. As, you know, The Rock selling it as only The Rock can, which, of course, makes you wonder, is The Rock going to go into the Royal Rumble at 100%, which is fine that they did it that way. The beat the clock match with Barrett and Sheamus, again, very good match, um, continuing to to build that potential feud down the road between Barrett and Sheamus, I got no problem with that whatsoever. Del Rio and Ricardo Rodriguez against Tensai was... Ugh. It was it was ridiculous. I like I like the C chance. I like the Ole. It was nice, nice bit of crowd interaction. I honestly it's it's terrible to say and it pains me to say it, but I think Del Rio's face turn has been far more successful than the Miz's face turn. Which is terrible to say because Alberto Del Rio is fucking boring as hell. But his face turn has kind of made him come full circle. But I uh, again I wanna credit more so Ricardo Rodriguez as as kind of adding to that and making it work. Uh, to close things out, definitely, it's it's great to see Bob Backlund going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, legendary competitor managed by Arnold Skolin. Of course, one of the things, it was funny to see the almighty Kevin Nash congratulate Bob Backlund considering he beat him, you know, in like fucking three seconds at the Garden to capture the belt from Bob. Was it the Garden? Damn, I, I think it was, because I remember either I was there or I saw it on TV. One of the two. I think I was there with my brother. No, 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 no. I saw it on TV. I was with my brother at, at, at a garden event when Bret Hart was feuding with Owen. So, yeah, d- definitely that. This is this is old age catching up with you folks. But anyway, Dario's face turn, like, better, better managed than The Miz. And John Cena's terrible terrible fucking promo to close things out it, it was it was ridiculous of course 
all hell breaks loose with the roster fighting at the end. And and I gotta say this, you know your promo is shit when you get called out by ESPN. ESPN, it was noted the fo- that they said the following. John Cena, the man used to be money on the mic, but his promo on Raw was seriously one of the most ridiculous, time-wasting experiences I've sat through in years. Curious to know whether his writers are really this out of touch or if Cena actually thinks he's being funny. And it's true, it just it just didn't feel it didn't feel natural in any shape, way, or form. It part of it felt like he was filling time, and the other part was that he just his promo work just took a serious nosedive. It's like when he was when he was feuding with The Rock and The Rock would be cutting a serious, hardcore, impassioned promo and he'd sit there and he'd just smirk at The Rock and he didn't add any sort of emotion to to his promos and his feud. Occasionally there'd be tinges of greatness, but it wasn't there. It was lacking. Same thing is happening now, and I think part of it is because Cena's not in the spotlight. And with him not being in the spotlight, it almost makes it seem like he's sandbagging um, the way he's promoting the company. Honestly, that's how I see it. I think that because he's not the center of attention, he, he kind of is, is, is scaling it back a bit. Now, again, this is just my thinking, but I've noticed that in the last couple of weeks how, how it's just progressed into real juvenile shit. It's almost like he's becoming a, a caricature of The Rock. And honestly, in The Rock's case... That's his shtick. His shtick is old, and it's what we've seen time and time again. So it's not, it's not hurting anyone. That's that's what I'm saying. I think honestly, we're we're in a situation where John Cena either needs to find an opponent that can motivate him again, or he needs to be put in a feud that will remove him from the main event and and again re-energize his character. I know a lot of people are like, oh, we should get a John Cena heel turn. It's not happening for the foreseeable future, and if it does, it's going to be uh, an in-case-of-emergency-break-glass situation. Right now, John Cena's the flag-bearer. That's what they're going to run with. Until they build a nice stable of faces that can, that can carry it in his place, that is how it's going to be. And it sucks because John Cena's a good competitor. Is he a great competitor? No, but he connects with the kids, and he connects with the fans on, on a polarizing level. And they're just not leveraging that the way they should. They shouldn't be booking him 100% face. Maybe maybe you should start leaning towards a tweener. Maybe have some heel tendencies in there because it would freshen up the character and it would keep people guessing. Him coming out and doing the typical Superman offense, oh my God, I'm going to scream into the microphone, the shit is getting old. I, I, I'd honestly watch Vicky Guerrero cut a promo for half an hour before I had to deal with a John Cena whiny, happy-go-lucky, lame-o babyface promo. I'm sorry, the shit just doesn't work. It doesn't. And it's sad because this is the guy that's carrying the company for the time being. Meanwhile, you're squandering guys like Ryder who, who move merchandise, who have a presence, and you can help him, help them connect with the fans better. Seriously, you got to take a bit of that load off of Cena's shoulders, as selfish as he as he quote unquote is, based on the rumor mill, and 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 start dispersing it among amongst the rest of the roster. Because even Randy Orton isn't motivated. Not to say that he's motivated to begin with, but Randy Orton looks like he's there and he knows that he can get over without doing much. 
If you look at Randy Orton's matches and his promos, he barely cuts a promo because that's how unmotivated he looks when he's out there. People cite Carlito as being unmotivated when he was there, but there's no bigger example of lack of motivation than Randy Orton. He comes out there, he's like, we're going to do a group hug. When that shit with... With with Daniel Bryan and Kane, oh, we're gonna come out and hug. I don't, I don't hug, and it's just, it just looks so awkward because he wasn't even trying to, to do anything with the character. Uh, obviously, the rumors are dictating that he's gonna turn heel, and that's great because as a heel, he's far more entertaining because he's just, he's unhinged and he's crazy and he's punting people in the head left and right, and it just works. As a face, he is fucking boring. He is boring. I would rather watch my cat shitting in a litter box and find it more enjoyable than Randy Orton on my television. Seriously, he's unmotivated, his matches are formulaic, and he's just not involved in any feuds that make him remotely interesting. I'm serious. I'd rather sit outside of my cat's litter box and watch him shit than watch Randy Orton cut a promo. I'm sorry. That's 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 how it is. Anyway, let's shift gears a little bit. Because I want to talk about TNA Impact. Obviously, we were coming in from last week where Aces and Eights crashed uh, Bully Ray's wedding to Hogan's daughter, and Taz was revealed as a member of Aces and Eights. <sighs> Look, Aces and Eights had tremendous potential. You could have used it to introduce plenty of roster signees, maybe refresh a guy or two. But the only way this angle can have any success at this point is if Bully Ray is the leader the whole time. Because it, it, it would at least fit his character. If you reveal it to be Bischoff or Hogan, and if, I, if what I'm hearing about D'Lo being a member, all of that is shit. At that point, it should be, it should be aces and social security checks. Because all of those are old fucking guys. All of them. They got nothing better to do. Why do I need D'Lo, Mike Knox, Mike Knox 2.0, which is Luke Gallows, and Devon on my fucking television every week? Why? Nobody gives a fuck about any of those guys. I could tie a chain to all their legs and throw them in the ocean with a brick attached, and no one would miss them. No one. You let go of the Pope. You let the Pope not re-sign who had tremendous potential and the crowd was into his gimmick, but yet you spend money to sign Luke fucking Gallows, who again, isn't a bad performer, but then you sign Mike Knox, which is pretty much Luke Gallows with a beard. Same fucking guy. I don't get it. It's it's ridiculous. It really is ridiculous. But this is TNA. They have shades of brilliance and then they just they just take a complete shit. Anyway, First match of the night saw Tara defend her knockouts championship against Velvet Sky. And I kind of knew they weren't going to put the belt on Velvet yet because they want to build that up and make it mean something. It's fine. Maybe we'll see that at a pay-per-view. I have no complaints. But, you know, again, let's not get the same five matches because you got a decent number of knockouts there. We get a nice little promo from Joseph Park, a.k.a. Abyss Without the Mask, blah, blah, blah. Rob Van Dam and Christian York. Uh, against Kenny King and Zima Ion was very, very enjoyable. I like what they're doing, teasing some some stuff with Kenny King and Ion. I think Zima Ion is a tremendous heel. He is an incredibly cocky, arrogant, and effective heel. He works, and really they shouldn't do anything with him. Kenny King 
I kind of thought Kenny King was going to come in there and be another face that the crowd can get behind, like when he first debuted. But clearly, they are switching that to Christian York. Christian York has, I guess, the look, the more marketable look, and the crowd seems to be behind him. So, Christian York, I don't mind, but I think if, if you build up a nice program with him and Kenny King, you can do something really well. But honestly, you got to put the X Division belt on Kenny King. If Rob Van Dam is going to drop it to anybody, it should be him. He's the more established hand. Zima Ion doesn't need the belt to be over. And Rob Van Dam could refocus on maybe going after the TV title using that because he had the one of the longest reigns as TV champion for ECW. So maybe you want to use that storyline and have him move up gradually before putting him back in the main event. Who knows? But if anything, out of those four guys, I would put that belt on Kenny King because, I, I like I said, he's the guy that could probably take that to the next level and have really great matches with York, with Ion, AJ, any of those guys. I think King is definitely the guy to put all your stock in at the moment. Of course, we get the whole wedding, Taz turn shit. It was... Look... I understand TNA. You pay Hogan a shitload of money. You need him on TV to eat up TV time. You need him there with Sting in awkward segments to eat up TV time. But don't just schlep his daughter out there and make her the center of attention to eat up more TV time. You got way too many talented people out there. Seriously. Too many talented performers to waste time on the the wedding and then using that to, to add aces and eights to the mix. You can do that. It, there's better ways to do that shit. There really is. Hernandez took on Bobby Roode in a match, which I actually thought was surprisingly good. I think Hernandez has shades of brilliance. I think he just needs, he needs not only the breakout feud, but he needs a little bit more polish. I think when they sent him back down to the minors to, to spruce himself up, he had potential but going in there with a guy like Rude, Rude kind of carried the load in that match to make Hernandez look as good as he is. I, I think Bobby Rude is a, is a solid hand. Him and Austin Aries together right now is, is great work. And these are the guys, these are the heels that you want to build your company around. If you're going to, if I got to throw anybody else in there besides them, I got to throw in Christopher Daniels, who is tremendous. Tremendous he is. Especially tonight when he had his match with Jeff Hardy. I honestly think that if you're going to give the belt to a heel at any point that's not Aries or Rude, I think Christopher Daniels not only has earned it, but he deserves it because he's put so much work into the company. And not only that, but he could just effectively be a heel champion. Not to say that face Christopher Daniels isn't bad, but I think heel Christopher Daniels is just, it works on another level on all cylinders, especially with Frankie Kazarian there. It just works. As for Mr. Anderson, it's weird because they're saying he's aces and eights. I kind of have a feeling that he's kind of on the DL aces and eights. I don't know. I think it's one of those things where there may be the big swerve down the road, which I'd like to see. I think Mr. Anderson's another guy that with the right feud, the right program, boom, you got yourself a bona fide guy that's championship material. He connects with the crowd, and it works. Impact this week wasn't super terrible, but if I had to rate it on a scale of 1 to one to 10, I'd probably give it a 6. Seriously. I would honestly give it a 6, basically on the premise that 
they um too much Brooke Hogan, too much Brooke Hogan, too much fucking um aces and eights. It's it's just not not worth it. Seriously, I think that the switchboard. I gotta refresh it. I think we have some calls. Um, I'm sure Slick will let me know because I see some people in there. But um, if they are, if you guys if you guys are calling in and you're in the chat, just let me know because um, I I really gotta refresh the switchboard on my end so I can bring you guys on. If not, just make sure to hit option one. So Slick knows you want to be on air, and he can screen the calls. All right, moving on. I just wanted to get into some other wrestling news. Uh, Linda Hogan is in the news this week. TMZ is reporting that she is officially being charged with a DUI from that arrest that she had in October. Uh, She got arrested in Malibu in October. She had a blood alcohol level of .084, which is just over the legal limit in California, She got charged with two misdemeanor counts of DUI. She was also hit with one count of driving on a suspended license, which is also a misdemeanor. If if they were to run the full gamut and reinforce the charges, she would be getting 18 months in jail. But obviously she's got money and a good lawyer, so it's unlikely that she'll spend any jail time. Also, she does not have any prior DUI convictions. Maybe she'll have to do some community service etc 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 wash rinse and repeat i mean if it's not one hogan in the news it's another you know hogan of course hulk hogan with the sex tape linda with the with the dui brooke hogan just being garbage on television you guys know the deal so with the royal rumble this weekend the rumors are are running rampant of 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 a lot of guys making returns to the wwe either with the in the royal rumble itself or shortly thereafter. Now, of course, there's a there's a list of guys that people are are looking at that we may see. Um, obviously, John Morrison, Shelton Benjamin, MVP, Loki. I'd honestly like to see Loki brought back and maybe put with CM Punk because Loki was just terribly underutilized the last time he was there. Um, Shelton Benjamin's out of his Ring of Honor contract. And MVP, people ask him on Twitter, and, and a lot of these guys, they game the Twitter audience. But, you know, MVP, he's he's under contract with New Japan Pro Wrestling, and he's happy doing his thing. Um, we may see Tommy Dreamer in the Rumble. Obviously, New Age Outlaws are always a, ch- a possible. Uh, and Christian may make his return at the Rumble as well. Again, always good to see these guys come back, but it's not bringing them back that's so important to me it's how they are used anyway I just got a note from Slick that Alex Reyes from House of Glory is on the line he's one of Red's students obviously you guys hear me mention him on air let me bring him on briefly see what the deal is Alex what's up dude hey what's going on man alright welcome welcome to a live episode this is your first time calling in Oh, definitely is, definitely is. <laughs> well, but b- before I I answer any any questions you got, of course, um, look for Alex Reyes on Twitter at Alex Reyes zero, and also look for Alex Reyes on Facebook, right? Yeah, that's yeah. It's all right, man. Don't be nervous. <laughs> oh no, no, no! In front of an audience, me never. No. never. Ah, all right. So, what do you got, my friend? What do you got for it? 
Oh man, the zombie stuff, man. Yo, you are you you really hate TNA? <laughs> no, you know what it is. I don't hate TNA. My problem with TNA is they got a ton of talented dudes on the roster, and what they do is they spend three hours with bootleg Sons of Anarchy and another 30 minutes with Brooke Hogan and the bullshit wedding. It's like, dude, I understand you want to get Hogan over, but you don't need to get his daughter over too. That's that's what irks me, especially when you got guys out there like, you know, Daniels, Kazarian, AJ Styles, Rude, Aries, Samoa Joe, guys that guys that can be on television delivering quality matches, got to play second banana to fucking Devon. Yeah, I mean, that's a definite. I mean, they don't even need to get Hogan over. He's like, I think online they had a poll. He's like number nine in the most rec- the most recognizable people on earth. So him getting over on TNA is pretty much pointless. Everybody knows who he is. If you know pro wrestling, you know Hulk Hogan. I mean, that's a given. It's just, I mean, they don't use nobody. They have about, what, five matches in a two-hour time span? That's what I'm saying. And everything else is promos. Yeah, and and and, the same, but. and I and I don't hate them because, dude, I was and and, and you know, Red can vouch for this. I was a, a weekly TNA pay per view purchaser. Now I dropped that ten dollars every week. I got I got all their old DVDs. <laughs> I got Best of the X Division, the old shit when Jerry Lynn was there. The first one, right? Yeah, when it was you know Jerry yeah. Lynn, when it was Triple X with Sonny Siaki. When it was, um, you know, when when Triple X was there with Loki, uh, Daniels, and Primetime. All that shit, man. America's Most Wanted. This is old shit. I had them all in my collection. I used to watch the TV. Me and my cousins used to watch it. That was, like, the alternative. Because there was nothing else, man. It was, like, so dry. And then that was, like, a, a breath of fresh air. It was, like, all of WCW's Cruiserweight division on one people who used to love it. Yeah, and they and they used to have great concepts, and, and it's funny because with their dedicated pay per views that they want to do, you know, World X Cup, which was good, um, the the teams, the international X division teams, that was all great stuff. You know, six man tag matches with like Team Canada and Team Mexico, that was all great stuff. If it wasn't for Team Canada, we wouldn't have got you know Bobby Roode and Eric Young and a lot of those guys that came in. Petey Williams. Yep, you know, Petey Williams coming in, Canadian Destroyer, which we got to see. You know, shit like that, but we, we don't we don't get to see it now. No, and, and, and the guys, I mean, they can go, and they only get about three or four minutes apiece. It, it's, it's crazy. It's like, just move, 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 move. You barely get a story in a match anymore. Yep, and that's the thing. There's no storytelling. It's wash, rinse, and repeat, and... You know, like like last week. Last week you got you had the Taz heel turn. Okay, Taz is a member of Aces and Eights. Guess what Taz can't do? Fucking wrestle. So Taz being a member of Aces and Eights is, you know, the the equivalent of fucking Dick Clark reading the countdown on New Year's. It's nostalgic, but it does nothing. Yeah. I mean, his commentary isn't the greatest either anymore. So. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, but you know, you, you, you as, as somebody who's who's on the scene and and who's who's working out there, and you watch the product, are you watching the product 
and, and critiquing it along the way as as if you were in the ring yourself? Because I know sometimes, and that's just from me pr- preparing for the show, I'll watch Raw and be like, yeah, that was fucked up, and yeah, that's not good. I mean, I do sometimes, but uh, just like versus, I don't want to be uh, an armchair booker or, or, you know, I just like to sit back and enjoy it because that's what I think a lot of a lot of people are not enjoying what's out there instead of just just cheer for who you want, boo for who you don't want. Instead of just downing everything that's bad, just embrace everything that's good. I mean, that's me personally speaking. Everybody's different. No, no, you're... Yeah, I, you know, and I and I, I agree with that. In, in my case, I I enjoy the the basics of what it was. I enjoy a good story. I enjoy a good match. I mean, that I'm a I'm a guy that went and bought F, FTW um, DVDs just to watch Hayabusa in a barbed wire match or him fighting Mike Awesome in Japan because that was the kind of shit I liked and that's what I mean if you watch that some people are like yeah that's not real wrestling you know that's that's uh that's that's spot fest but still you know I, I no. that's that's what I enjoyed exactly. everybody has their everybody has their you know their taste like me personally I away from the TNA stuff I enjoy more of a I don't know if you pro wrestling gorilla have you heard of it yep pro wrestling gorilla is what always used to be it was, it was gritty. It was it was just guys going out there, wrestling, telling. And that's you know more of the athletic kind of wrestling, the ROH, you know, the Japan strong style type. That that's what I prefer. But you know, I like to sit down and I like to watch characters. What he's always doing, I think that's awesome. You know, he loves America, but he thinks he's better than everybody else. It's it's awesome. And it's a um, subtle way of being a I, heel. Exactly. So it gives people room to either cheer or boo. Or I wasn't high on the Funkasaurus. I couldn't stand him. I thought it was retarded. I mean, it's the worst thing ever. Slash Funk, just that. But in a week or two, I was dancing with my daughter in the living room, like an idiot. You know? <laughs> well, well, here's here's the... the stuff man. No, and, and and you know what the funny thing is with that? The my issue with Brodus Clay isn't the fact that that he's out there, like CM Punk says, shucking and jiving. I think that the problem with Brodus Clay is the fact that he is so handcuffed in terms of how he should have a match. Because when he went out there and had a match with Punk, it wasn't the typical rhino headbutt, T-bone suplex, all right, everybody, let's dance. You know, there was there was psychology. There was there was good, uh, stiff wrestling from both guys there were there were great shots being dispensed uh, obviously part of that has to be with the way CM Punk probably dictated the pace of the match but that's what I'm saying like a lot of these guys get handcuffed and, and it's unfortunate yeah I mean he, uh, CM Punk is pretty much calling with it <laughs> whatever he wants to do pretty much right now so but yeah it's true like I mean but now I, I see the match is getting a little bit longer well in WWE at least you know like Cesaro and Orton, he said, you know, it was a good match. I mean, Cesaro hasn't had a bad match in I don't know how long. Um, you know, like watching it from time to time, like, you know, work and stuff like that and training constantly, is it's kind of hard to keep up in the BBR. Time 1K was the worst, just so everybody knows. No, you're not um, wrong. I kicked them to the curve. Don't feel bad. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, the matches are getting better. You're having more athletic matches. It seems like the guys who you wouldn't normally see on Raw having matches are having matches, 
And the people are going to cheer for who they want to cheer for, and they're going to get over who, had, who, would, who they want to get over, you know? They tried to hold back CM Punk, and they gave him an inch. He took a whole yard, and look at him now. I just, I just feel that with in that case, like CM Punk was was so against the establishment, and, and this was something I mentioned to Red. It's like if CM Punk wouldn't have re-signed, any company would scoop him up. He'd go to any company, run run the company ragged, and still come back to the WWE because they'd want him so badly. Like that was the beauty of a yeah. guy like Punk versus say a Zack Ryder. You know, Zack Ryder built him built himself the old fashioned way, social media, hard work. But since the WWE had no hand in making him a star, he gets shit on every week. Plus, like I, you know, we yeah. all say the same thing. Somebody in upper management is not a fan. Yeah, definitely. I mean, somebody to get themselves over, like, like I mean, like Ryder. I mean, I, I've got a shirt. I was gonna get a headband. My daughter has his, uh, this fucky hair thing. <laughs> we like, I, I, I'm a big fan. I was the one constantly watching his videos and, and singing his songs in the House of Glory. They would want to kill me after 10 minutes but um, it, it's all of, I, I think it's the fans themselves if, if they want somebody there they're going to put him there they wanted Daniel Bryan there Yep. they wanted CM Punk there now you got this influx of the indie stars that are coming off the indies and coming into the WWE and they have a giant following like some of these guys before they even reach developmental are international superstars you know uh, Clash is on Chris Hero. He's an international star. Um, they, they just signed uh, El Generico. He's an international star. So whether I hope they don't change Generico's gimmick, but people are going to know who they are. People are, and, and they're going to root for them. And they, it's going to be hard for them to say anything. You know, it's going to be hard for them to deny it. Well, the, I guess with all this uh, Triple H running stuff, maybe, maybe it's going to help. Well, the funny thing is that... With with that with with a guy like El Generico and it's, and I'm glad you brought him up, he's a guy that you can groom him like they were trying to do with Sin Cara and make him a household name. If you use that mucha lucha gimmick and you come out and you let him do the ole and people get into that shit, that they will make serious dough off his character. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, have you ever seen him live? You ever seen him live? No, I haven't seen him live. I've only seen him. I've seen his Ring of Honor stuff. I've seen, um, you know, when he pops up in, like, Dragon Gate. Yeah. I mean, I've seen, I went to a Ring of Honor show, and he was wrestling. And when he comes into that arena, or venue, I don't want to say arena because they're too small, like, or or that hall or whatever it is he's coming to, that place rumbles. You can feel the base of everybody cheering in your heart. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane how the little things that he does, it touches each and every one of the fans. And even, like you said, if they give him, you know, he can be a household name. If they give him an inch on TV, it's going to be a bit, he's going to be big. He can take over as the next Rey Mysterio, in my opinion, honestly. Well, if they give him that little bit. Yeah, well, you know what, you know what the funny thing with, 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 we need another mass guy. And it's not even, it's, but the problem is that you don't just need a masked, he, unmasked face. You need a masked heel. That's why I used to always joke about, you know, they should have always brought in La Parca. When I saw him on WWE.com and they had all the matches this week, I was like, yo, are y'all telling me something I don't know? Probably. They always hint off stuff, man. <laughs> they always hint off stuff from uh, 
you go on the website, you look at it, and then like a week later something happens. I'm like, man, if I only I could have predicted this one. Well, well, you know, you you being being a performer and and now you know so switching from singles to tag team, where where are you drawing inspiration from from the the amount of wrestling that you consume? You know, are you looking to become more integrated with tag team offense? Are you trying to to be slightly different, or are you just looking to kind of well round yourself so that you can do both if necessary? Um, I well, right now it's we're, like we came to an agreement where we're both focusing on the team because there's a there's a hole missing in tag team wrestling right now. That that's a way to get ourselves over right now, you know, as a tag team. And uh, it, it it was by accident, honestly. It, it, it was one of those uh, oops, hey, oh shoot, we have a good thing here because nobody agreed with it. It was something that we felt, you know, on our part. And we should do it, and we get the bookings that way. The singles, I don't think it's gonna happen because I mean, I thought about it too. I'm a five foot six guy, maybe 180 pounds on a good day. Um, every short guy wants to be a strong style, Davy Richards kind of wrestler, you know, Dynamite Kid, Chris Benoit, and it's one in a million guys that are doing the same exact gimmick. You know, everybody's doing the same thing. And for my partner, he's athletic. He does these crazy acrobatics, and right now there's about seven or eight guys doing the same exact thing, but there's nobody doing it together as a team, you know? And uh, the focus is mainly on, on the tag team wrestling. We, we even talked about it, like, hey, if we end up, you know, breaking off and doing our own thing, then we do our own thing, but for right now, this looks like it can be big for the both of us. So, like, we, you know, I watch a lot of... Uh, the British Bulldogs. We watch a, a lot of PWG because they like big on tag team wrestling over there. So we get, you know, we look, we tweak, we come up with our own stuff and train. And some days we go in when there's nobody there just to like beat up on the crash, you know, beat up on the, you know, the heavy bag just to see what we can do and what we can do in the ring. Well, one thing I, you know, one thing that I, I say works. You also, you guys have a little bit of that, um, you know, Kenny King, Red Titus vibe from Ring of Honor. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Got to give you all yeah, that. that that's, that's, uh... <laughs> yeah, we've been getting that a lot lately. Um, it's pretty funny, though. Uh, yeah. Cause that's, what they, that's what they asked. They were like, oh, um, we went to this one show, and they were like, oh, so you guys are the All Night Express? They are like, huh? You know, <laughs> I, I, it wasn't paying attention to it, but I was like, well, light skin guy, black guy. Yeah, that shit happens. Hey, but, you... Um, yeah, you know, we try to be different. You know, everybody wants to do the strong style. We try to be more flashy. Um, everybody wants to be, you know, little trunks, black or white. We wear zebra print. We wear neon pink and green. And, you know, we want to just separate ourselves from the pack and make ourselves stand out just a little bit. And maybe that'll get us noticed because we aren't the biggest guys in the world. So it's kind of, it's like, ugh. Yeah, but it's a, it's a, it's a changing... It's a changing of the guard, and the way that people are are seeing wrestling now, it's you know you're seeing more of the you know the Daniel Bryan's, the John Morrison's, the 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 Christians, where where guys you look at them and and they you're not you're not meant to be a Batista anymore. You're meant to look more athletic. You know what I mean? Like 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 yeah, you, there's always going to be a room for for a Batista or 
you know, any any of those other jacked up dudes that they got in there. But now it's more about being athletic because it keeps your body safer. Yes, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. That was that was like the biggest issue now, like where, where like we're doing all this training. You know, it was like we're training, you know, three, four times a week sometimes. You know, before shows, we're banged up even before we get into the ring, man. So a lot of the stretching, we're doing parkour. Uh, we're taking up break dancing, just you know, flexibility, and maybe some flashier moves to get us in somewhere. <laughs> but um, yeah, the the the, the more athletic it, it, it's in the now, but then you you only see that in the top tier. You know, you only really get those in like the top tier promotions because now that you look at it, everybody looks like you know they wear the long cut off jeans or they wear the t shirts, and it's not it's not wrestling anymore. It just looks like a bunch of uh old school I just not even old school just like real backyardish you know you, you mean like, you you mean everybody like, looks like they're part of Raven's flock <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's like we've done shows and it's just it's, it's weird like nobody wants to take the time to, to to try to look the part you know everybody just wants yeah basically everybody wants to be a part of Raven's flock you know it, it, it gets and then when they see us it's like I think I feel like a lot of people see the House of Glory guys, and they, at first, believe it or not, I feel like they get the bad impression of us. You know, I don't understand because how that happens. Was going, I, I I don't, but you know, Red, you know, he's well respected, well known, so they think okay, maybe because Red trained with them, these guys are gonna have a chip, and we go in there and we're the quietest people on earth. We're so petrified for our lives; it's not even funny. Oh yeah, and you go to some of these shows. Go ahead. Yeah, and then you know they we open up our bags and we're getting ready to go, and they see you know these kids got trunks or tights and what, what, what's going on here? You know they get a, you know, and then they see how we look and they're like, okay, maybe they are assholes, you know. So it kind of like, <laughs> yeah, we've been getting <laughs> not not to our faces, but it comes back to us eventually, you know. No, I feel like, man, what's going on? We try not to, but we try not to get, like, be as humble as possible. I mean, like, the promoters themselves go back to tell Red because we know everything goes back to him. He's, like, the the dad of wrestling right now for us. (laughs) You know, they go back to him and they let him know, hey, you guys, they're respectful. Thank you for, you know, spending them, blah, 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 blah. You know, I mean, we get the callbacks. That's what's most important. But sometimes you want to fit in with the guys and... It just seems like, you know, they give us a you can't come here kind of vibe. So, yeah. Well that was that was one of the things I wanted to ask. The the backstage atmosphere, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, you gotta go in there and shake hands and say hello to everybody and all this shit. Is 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 that stigma true on the independence? Um, yeah. Like well, for us, we go back there, we shake everybody's hand. If you didn't know you shake their hand, you shake it again. That's what we were taught. That's what we were brought up to do. If Red is not with us, I don't say I'm a leader, but I'm one of the elder students there, and I make sure they do the right thing the way I was taught. Because, um, I mean, everybody knows, like, I, if that guy's in the end, they seen me with Red for about a year and a half before I even put on a pair of boots, you know? Before I even was allowed to wrestle, I was riding around in the car, show to show, you know, big companies, small companies, and that is exactly what he does. He goes, no matter how small the company is, 
He gets in there, shakes everybody's hand, comes out. You know, if he didn't know he shook their hand, he shakes it again. And that's what he taught us. That's what we do. What other people do, some people try to hold stuff in their hands so they don't have to shake. <laughs> some people give you the little, uh, the nod. worker handshake. I, I still don't know what it is. Nobody wants to tell me. And I'm getting pretty frustrated about it. <laughs> they do the little, the little tea time handshake. And it, that, that's the thing that gets me to, like, I grab people's hand. Like, I was taught, you know, being, his, you know, being Puerto Rican, you shake like a man. That's right. So, <laughs> You know, I grab somebody's hand and they're looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, listen, that little tea thing, it, it, oh, man, it gets the little guy in my head going. Yeah, shaking, yeah, shaking hands like William Regal with the arm behind the back. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it, it's crazy, you know. But um, most of the locker rooms we've been in, you know, we have been blessed so far to have done bigger shows. We haven't been on too many shows that were small with less than maybe 200 people. A lot of shows we've been on been pretty big you know um we work we work out in uh in massachusetts um nefw uh myself and quinn we won the titles of the tag team titles over there um we actually faced brian and red on the second student versus teachers for the titles down there that's going to be at the big show exciting um this one is in chicopee massachusetts which is down in uh yeah in massachusetts um it's called it's, it's a company nefw um, we've been there since, I guess, maybe their fourth show. You know, Brian and Red did a show. They brought us in. And these guys, been, they gave us the ball, and we ran with it ever since over there. So, and for us to be over there and not have no friends and family come to the shows and people still cheer for us and they have no idea who we were when we get there and when we leave, you know, it's like they love us. But at first they didn't even know who we were. And, like, for me, it's like nobody knows, you know, we don't have, we don't live in the area. A lot of the workers do, you know, uh, a lot of the guys that, that train at the, the center over there, their friends and their families and whoever come down to see them. So it gets kind of intimidating at first. You know, you're like, damn, man, they're not even going to cheer for us. But then after the bell rings, after the match is done, you know, we got a yes chant our first, you know, I think it was our second show over there. When the whole Daniel Bryan yes thing started going on, we got a yes chant. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you has know, to, it's, it's it has to feel good, different. man. Like, yeah, and, and I mean, we've been blessed so far. You know, Red, he's loved everywhere. So, I like, when I go and look for bookings, I know once I contact that promoter, I'm pretty sure he goes right to Red. You know, whatever promoter goes right to Red and then asks them, and then they respond back. But, um... I contact. I don't even drop his name until they ask who you train by. Uh, but I mean, we've been blessed so far. Like all the shows, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred people. Um, we've been, you know, we then we do the shows at the House of Glory, so we get to actually perform in front of our home crowd. So it's just it's an experience right now. You know, we're just getting our feet wet, and we're like we get super excited for anything that we do. So <laughs> and, right. and we got another. Uh, there's a another sh- a project we're doing myself and Quinn where we're not true talent with somebody else and uh, and Mario also um, Anthony Gangone I think his wrestling name is <laughs> uh, it's called Sensory Overload Lucha Libre we're doing mass gimmicks so I mean that's another thing that's out in Connecticut that should be that I don't know how it's going to pan out it, it seems a little kooky but there's nothing really going on anymore in wrestling so hopefully this gets bigger than just one show but it should be cool I'm a ladybug 
So, <laughs> hey man, you, this one is a bumblebee. There you go. You gotta you gotta do what you gotta do what works to to make yourself stand out, and you know that's that's pretty much how it goes, especially to get the call up anywhere. It's like they got You gotta yeah. have something that people can say. Oh yeah, you know that. You know those guys. They uh, they they wear the you know the yellow zebra print, or those guys yeah. that you know they have the suplex into the drop kick finisher or you know, it's something. You know. Yeah, I mean that's that. You know, believe it or not, our gear is what people remember the most. Out of ninety percent of the time, they're like, "Hey, these are the guys that wore the zebra print, right?" And it came <laughs> out to the Backstreet Boys, and I just started laughing. I'm like, "Man, they didn't remember the finish. They remember this." But I mean, it's something. They leaving remembering who True Talent was, and they came in there not knowing who who the hell we were, had no idea. So it, it's a good feeling, man. It's a good feeling that you can connect some way with the crowd. So it's like, uh, well, at first I wasn't for it. Let's believe me. <laughs> nah, you. That that's one of that's one of the things you know, and and it's it's funny because you know people people gonna break my balls that I that I put you guys over. But it's true. I, 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 you know, I saw, I saw when I, when you were in there, and you were, you know, king of Brooklyn, and heel turn, and now a tag team. So it's like, I, I've watched your career from start to finish. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, 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 it's something like, like I, I never thought like the whole tag team thing would be cool. I was like, eh. You know, I like I wanted to do it with my cousin that I actually trained with. Jay Santi knows him, uh, Angel. He's actually a referee. He does his referee or whatever, and he didn't wrestle. And I was like, I can do it by myself. And then it just got boring. And then when Terrell came in, you know, I wasn't fond of him. I thought he was just gonna learn a couple of things and then try to leave, just like you know some people do. So, because right. I'm real adamant about like, I don't know, maybe I'm just overprotective about certain things, but. No, I you. I thought Terrell was going to pick up, yeah, pick up and go. I was like, oh, he's going to pick up and go. I know this guy. <laughs> and then he he grew on me, and then uh, he became my uh, brother from another mother. <laughs> you could say it that way, you know. And then uh, I mean, it happened by accident. It became a pretty a pretty cool thing. And then now we're like twenty four seven watching videos. Hey, we can do this. How about we change this and do it like this? You know, and then we'll go, hey, Red, and then if you ask Red, he goes, we're in gimmick 24-7 at the school. He gets pissed off. He beats us up. <laughs> nah, I, I, I am, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy for, for the success of, of all the students. And like I said, you know, you and a, and a handful of those guys I've watched since, you know, since Red first came on the show and I went to the first, for the, to the first show at the school. You know that. I remember sitting in a, in a diner with you guys at 2 a.m. after a show. <laughs> You know, oh, yeah, that was after uh, ICW. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, so I yeah, that's what I mean. So, I, 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 I understand. You know the the the, the shit you guys go through, but it, you know, I, I, I know where the the clock is ticking. So, I want to definitely get get a uh, help you guys get over. So let's let's get all the uh, social media in there. Of course, Alex Reyes Zero on Twitter, and I know you got. A couple of different Facebook projects, so if you want to let the listeners know about that stuff too. Uh, yeah, we haven't exactly did the fan page yet, but True Talent will be having a fan page up soon. Uh, I'll send the link. Maybe you can like give it out or. Yeah, let me know so I can I put it in the show notes. Yet. I procrastinate too much. Yeah, well, um, get get on that. <laughs> yeah. If anybody's in the Massachusetts area, NEMW, Chicopee, Massachusetts, 
March 2nd, we wrestle our trainers, Brian Excel and Amazing Red. Um, February 16th, we got Sensory, Over- Sensory Overload Lucha Libre. I am Manbug, and my partner is Rumblebee. We are the Infestation Nation. It's on Facebook. Uh, I'll just I'll be posting up some vignettes and stuff like that once we get it. Yeah, all send the me information a- and the stuff from the guys. Send me all the links so I can um put them on Twitter and I can put them in the show notes for this week. Okay, and uh, March I think it's March thirtieth. How to Glory with on a big show. It should be really good from what we hear. I can't say too much, but uh, Red, I guess Red and Brian will let out the information little by little, but it's going to be a good show. That's going to be at the house as well, next door, the Hamble Court. Right. That they have. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 I should be there for that. Yeah, it's going to be a good one, so I, I, from what from the, what, they, what we were told, it's going to be crazy, so I'm pretty excited about that. And uh, does everybody support indie wrestling, no matter what it is, small show, big show? Uh, whatever show support it there you go alright man well I'm gonna get get those links to me for real so I can put them in the show notes tonight okay definitely definitely I'll send them over to you now alright brother I appreciate it thanks for calling in alright thanks for having me alright brother peace later alright that was Alex Reyes from House of Glory you can find him at Alex Reyes Zero on Twitter he is part of True Talent he also wrestles uh, in Century, Sensory Overload, Lucha Libre, NEFW. All those links will be in the show notes as well as all the social media stuff. I just got informed that uh, John Blade's calling in. We're going to go through some of the Royal Rumble predictions. Then we're going to jump into some gaming news. And, of course, the quick finish with entertainment news for this week. So let me bring John Blade in. John Blade, welcome back. Hello, hello. There you go. Finally, the clone has come back to my take radio. Yeah, it's good to be back. But we got the rum- we got the rumble this weekend. Big, big, big uh, ramifications going into WrestleMania. And um, before I even go over the matches, I just want to go over the the rumble first, only because there's so many ways it can go. Like I said, there's so much mid card talent that may come back couple of old timers may throw their name in the ring. I'm hearing even Booker T may throw the boots back on and and come for somebody. So with that said, who who's your pick to win the rumble this year? Well my pick I'm I honestly think it's gonna whoever wins, they're definitely gonna go for the heavyweight title instead of the WWE championship. You know, you already have enough big names thrown into that mix there. I honestly think they'll give it. I think the Miz can take it this year. You think the Miz, huh? The, um, the Miz, yeah. Because we, well, if you have the Miz win, and then have him go to WrestleMania, you can have Dolph Ziggler continue there feud because you know he still has the briefcase. So you could definitely do, uh, throw both of them into the title mix at WrestleMania, and with Miz's face turn, he uh, he could definitely use the push. I think in Ziggler's case, he's got a cat. He only really has until the chamber to cash in. Wait, he because the the oh, briefcase the briefcase is only good from WrestleMania to WrestleMania, so he's got to cash it in before then. So odds are, if he's going to get the belt, it'll be at the chamber. I mean, that'll probably make the most sense. 
if you, if you can probably, you, you can probably even cash it in the Rumble if he chose to with the last man standing match. True. I'll definitely throw some things in there since he's going to be number one either way at the Rumble. Well, you might have uh, Ricardo Rodriguez run over the big show again, have him <laughs> down for the 10 count. Well, the crazy thing is that Ziggler's in the Rumble and he's got the case. So, like you said, he can try and win the Rumble and not sacrifice the case and then cash in the case that same night. So he'll he'll yeah. basically have two guaranteed slots, but that would require a lot of creativity from 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 the writers. <laughs> Wait, is the Royal Rumble not going to be the main event? I don't know. It's always very weird. Uh, a lot of times they they just leave it as the main event, but then they they trim like some of the entrances and some of the stuff. I mean, honestly, you want to close out with the Rumble because that's that's the big get, but. Yeah. Stranger things have happened. I mean, match or it's it's all dependent on how they want to do match order. As of right now, Cesaro's defending his belt against the Miz on the pre-show, mm-hmm. and both those guys are in the Rumble. So you see how that's going. Yeah. Another guy I was thinking who could take it probably. Um, I'd even give it to Wade Barrett. I'd give it to Wade you know, Barrett. You, keep, you have the Rio keep the titles, so then you have the big. Face heel feud going into WrestleMania, and Wade Barrett could definitely carry the title for a bit. I think I think Wade Barrett would be good to win it only because there no there's not a 100 percent certainty that they're going to try and do another Money in the Bank at WrestleMania. A couple of websites are teasing that they've been considering it. That we get a if we do a Money in the Bank at WrestleMania, we may just have Barrett win it at Mania, or a lot of people are saying Ryback will win the Money in the Bank at Mania. So are, they, are, they wanting in a ring? are they getting rid of the Money in the Bank pay-per-view altogether? I, well, you know, they may just do it at Mania because that's the bigger thing, and then they may switch up the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. But again, you know how it goes. This ends up on the web, and mm-hmm. it picks up some steam, and then it falls through the cracks. But honestly, I'd rather Money in the Bank be done at Mania because the be- if this briefcase is won at Mania and they have till the next WrestleMania to hold it, it just feels like it makes the most sense. Versus mm-hmm. a pay-per-view dedicated to just that. That's how I see it. Yeah, I feel that, but... Yeah, I'm definitely thinking they're going to keep, like, the... When they're going to stray away from the WWE Championship altogether. They don't need any more names thrown into that. All right, well, you're, you're, you're looking at you're looking at Barrett. I, I kind of almost and wanted then, to say that, you know, the, the Cesaro might be a dark horse in that, too. But that would be that would be well, a complete shocker. Yeah, that, that's that's actually one of the things. Royal Rumble is probably my favorite pay per view besides WrestleMania because you have all the possibilities and it's the one time they get to be unpredictable. So no. depending on how they use that, that could work out really well or be just a complete catastrophe. Well, we'll see. I mean, like I said, I, I'd like to see if they're going to bring Shelton Benjamin back. It'd be good to bring him back in the Rumble. Uh, maybe have him Kofi do a little something. That'd be kind of cool. Because, you know, every Rumble, they have to have the one guy do the big spot. Like, remember they had Morrison do the leapfrog to the barricade? Yep. They always got to have someone for that. Kofi did the wall, the uh, the walking on his hands. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, whatever works. Well, let's get, let's get into the big matches. CM Punk and The Rock. I think The Rock's going to win, but Punk's going to keep the title. Okay, what do you think? 
who's interfering? Because you know it can't be the Shield. Shield, yeah. Uh, might be a good chance to bring Lesnar back because uh, I don't have that much time till WrestleMania, and he only has he can only have like a limited amount of appearances. So you have him interfering in that match, giving him and the Rock a chance to feud. You know, he is a Paul Heyman guy. But that would, to me, that makes the most sense. It's either it's either that or Brad Maddox, <laughs> <laughs> or or or, or yeah. John Cena getting pissed off. <laughs> yeah, that would require Cena to actually have some character. Seriously, dude, that promo Monday night, fucking watching paint dry. I was embarrassed. I was, emba- I was embarrassed, dude. They body the so demon. You got to go out there and kill ten minutes because the show even ended early. They didn't, they didn't kill enough time. They probably had Cena just go out there and improv it, and that's just I guess that's not one of Cena's strong suits. Well, Del Rio and the Big Show. I really we know that the Big Show is not getting the belt back because they're having too much fun with uh, Del Rio being the Del spokesperson Rio. for Taco Bell and. Um, you know, him and Ricardo Rodriguez throwing water on the big show every week. I don't understand the the signification of that. Like, uh, you know, like, we're going to throw water on you because you're dirty and you're a pig, or we're going to throw water on you because you stink? I, I don't understand. We're just going to throw a bucket of Mexican water on you. We're going to give you a Mexican blessing. Well, yeah, they can't give the title back to the big show because I know Alberto, the real boring big show, makes him look like the most exciting superstar on the roster comparing... I mean, Big Show is—he has the—he has the same gimmick. I'm the big guy; I can kill anyone at any time. But as he, but besides that, he has nothing going for him. Nah, it's 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 absurd. The you know when the Big Show was champion, it, it's it's something that we all joked about. It's like he was so boring that we wanted anybody to beat him. Like, dude, I would have taken Santino as champion. Just to not see his big ass on TV every fucking week, yelling and in, yelling into his fist like a microphone. Ugh! I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Get out of here! Seriously, dude. So we we know we know for a fact Del Rio's probably gonna gonna retain the belt, but here here's one that I may actually be rooting against them in this one instance and that's team hell no I, th- I think the Rhodes Scholars are taking the belt so do I because when team hell no first won the titles you saw that the tag team division was kind of on the uprise ever since they held the title it's been them and Rhodes Scholars the entire time and you have an expansive tag team division so I mean giving the belt to Stand down roads. That gives you. That gives you an opportunity to use some of that unused talent and get bring them up into the title contention. Yeah, you know the Goyer brothers need some love. The Usos need some love. You know the Black Pack. You got a bunch of mid card superstars you could just throw together. Titus O'Neil and and Chaco Cena. You know Abraham Washington's you know, really Black Pack. Anymore. What happened? You really don't see him anymore because uh, Raw was a perfect example. You had the two squash matches and then the extra five minutes that they cut short. If you would have taken out punishing Zack Ryder and thrown in a tag team match with, like, the Road Scholars and any other tag team, you could have had Road Scholars win, 
cut a quick promo and then have that leading into the Rumble and not make us sit through Big Show and Zack Ryder again. Dude, since TNA didn't re-sign the Pope, WWE should bring the Pope back and have him manage the primetime players. Yeah, because the primetime players really need a manager. Since AW got released, they've been been irrelevant. Yeah, they do absolutely nothing. I mean, Titus O'Neil was kind of kind of on the ball with the whistle and shit but now it's just like all right get off get off my tv lamar odom light get off fuck out of here yeah, they can use some love like they the attacking the division isn't bad it's not like the divas division where they don't have the talent they have all the talent they just don't use it well the divas division is just a shadow of itself but you know what the problem is they they bring these girls in they let these girls get famous and then when the girls get famous to the point where they mainstream. It's like as soon as your chicks appear in Maxim, they're quitting. It's like if, if you crack like top 50 and you're a girl in Maxim, you're quitting. Like as soon as Kelly Kelly was like number 46, like, oh, that, she's out of here. I'm gone. I'm gone. Like Layla, I think, was in there once and she was like 80-something. So Lay- Layla kind of hung out. But like I think Eve cracked 50 once or she got close to that. And I know Kelly Kelly definitely went over that. So it's like once that starts to happen, it's like, oh, shit, you know, there's the there's your mainstream appeal. Same thing with Olivia Munn yeah. and G4. Same shit. And they, get, they go for, like what I'm saying, they're going for eye candy instead of, like, girls with actual wrestling ability. I guess with Kelly Kelly, they thought she looks good. We could probably teach her a few moves that she could pass. And that's not what they need. They need girls who can wrestle. And on top of that, the girls that they re- that they can wrestle, they put them in these terrible predicaments and these terrible angles where they just get so disheartened that they don't even want to wrestle anymore, i.e. Yeah. Beth Phoenix. Natalia? Oh. <laughs> oh, let's not even talk about Natalia, that she has to fucking be the great Kali's wheelchair when he comes <laughs> out. It's like, yo, why don't you just put wheels on the side of your legs and have the great Kali sit on your shoulders and you roll them out? <laughs> He, like 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 when like when you were like when you were a kid and you bought the Transformers and you'd want to make one robot into a bigger one and you'd put the legs underneath to make him taller. Like that's Natalia and the Great Kali. She's just like that. She should just be the two bottom legs of Voltron to help the Great Kali's big ass walk to the ring. It's like how are you a cop, dude? Who are you chasing? Help, runaway camel. Who's a cop? When he's a cop in India, dude. It's like help, runaway camel. What's he going to do, punch the camel in the face? Like, what are you doing? Is he going to give the camel the chop? <laughs> no, don't run away, you! Piggyback him down to the rumble. Oh, my God. Yo, they're going to have to cart him out on a, on a stretcher and then lift him up like Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs for him to get into the ring. It's embarrassing. And it's sad because it's like, oh, the great Kali, he's, he's, a, he's the, one of the largest athletes, yes, but his, his legs are held together by Elmer's glue and bubblegum. But, you know, the the crazy thing with the Royal Rumble is that it's part of the big four. It's the lead into WrestleMania. There's so much potential here with a lot of these guys. But at the end of the day, you have all this talent. It's what happens after the Rumble that's really important. Like, right now, you're not allowing the Shield to interfere in the match for The Rock. Does that mean that the Shield is in the Royal Rumble? I'm not having an activate in the Rumble. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, it, they only they only gave you, as as of right now, 15 names have been confirmed. John Cena, 
who announced his his entry into the Rumble on December 31st edition of Raw. Orton and Sheamus, which were on the January 4th edition of SmackDown. Ziggler, Slater, Mahal, and McIntyre. So, you know, those entries were announced for January 7th, and Ziggler must either choose coming in at 1 or 2. Cesaro announced his entry on January 11th, SmackDown. Wade Barrett on the 14th of January. The Miz on the 16th on Main Event. Ryback, Titus O'Neil, Darren Young, Kane, and Daniel Bryan. That means you got 15 names in there. There's 15 names missing. Oh, well, they had a good 25 people rush the ring. What about those guys? that Were they just there for visual effects that night? That's what I mean. It's I like... saw Alex Riley go down to the ring. Poor Alex Riley. I'm like, wow, that's Alex Riley. Poor Alex Riley gets no love ever since he yelled at John Cena. John Cena's like, all right, now you're going to carry my bags, bitch. <laughs> well, that's all That's all poor A-Ride does. Him, Mason Ryan. What's Mason Ryan doing? Is he is he mopping floors in Vicky Guerrero's office? Like, all that hype for that big, jacked-up Batista clone, and they did nothing with him. But that's well, what I mean. It's probably be just random mid-carters, a few guest appearances. Rick Flair will probably come down on an electric scooter to come down to the ring. He can use the money. But That's what I mean. Like It's going to be a bunch of filler. Like, like if, if the other 15 guys are Sergeant Slaughter, Yoshi Tatsu, Alex Riley, Kofi. Um, the Brooklyn Brawler. The Brooklyn Brawler, you know, Shelton Benjamin, Hornswoggle, you know, shit like that. It, 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 it's going to really ruin the, the, the rumble because it's like one or two comedy guys are fine, but like Hornswoggle coming in or Karma, or Beth Phoenix, you know, like, they that Beth Phoenix come in that one year, and that was kind of cool, but it's like, you can't even do that this year. Well, it's, it's, they have, they, with the World Rumble, they, they still have a chance. They, they, I'm hoping they do this right and not screw it up, because they have all the people for it. They can, they can do it, and not have it be a total disaster. Well, we'll find out. The Royal Rumble goes down this Sunday, while I have you on, we can actually, uh, I can talk to you about the remaining wrestling news to tie things up. And I got to talk about uh, Biggie Langston, um, who, if you're not following on Twitter, you should. And, you know, he made a comment about people calling him Rye Black. So he said, and I quote, people, Rye Black is unimaginative, unimaginative and dull. On the other hand, Chuck Lesnar made me audibly laugh. <laughs> he also retweeted a fan that called him Solberg. <laughs> I've seen him like uh, WWE like retweet him every now and then. Like he did like the friend zone thing with AJ Lee, which is kind of funny. And like, he's funny on Twitter, but when you put him on the mic, it's just he's dull. Oh yeah, it's my time now. Oh yeah, <laughs> hey, yo, what are you doing? <laughs> Fuck out of here. Oh yeah. You're not ready for me. Like, get, stop. 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 Don't give him the mic yet. Ziggler's decent on the mic. You give him some lessons. It's not, it's not hard. Yeah, but Ziggler took time. He need, he had to hang. He had to he had to carry Vicky Guerrero's bags for like six months to get over as a heel. <laughs> and then, you know, he just realized, all right, we don't need Vicky anymore. Like I said, he graduated. Like, Biggie Langston's yeah. in, the same, in the same boat. He, need, he needs a manager that's not AJ. 
Because sorry, I can't take you seriously when a girl you could fit in your pocket is your manager. Doesn't work. Well, the last bit of wrestling news, it's it, almost everybody thinks it's a lock that Terry Funk is going to induct Mick Foley into the Hall of Fame. Oh, I don't see a problem with that. They've, what, they wrestled in ECW together. Aren't they actually really close friends? They were very close friends. They wrestled in WWE as uh, Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie. Chainsaw Charlie. Chainsaw Charlie being Terry Funk. And in the um, the FTW DVD you watched when you were down here, it was Mick Foley and Terry Funk, remember? Yeah. And the death match. That's right. So, you know, Mick, Mick, if anybody else should do it, it should be him. A lot of people are like, yeah, well, The Rock could do it. Yeah, but it's just going to be The Rock fucking jerking himself off instead of inducting Mick Foley. <laughs> Rock and Sock Connection, yeah. bona fide Hall of Fame. No, 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 no. Just induct <laughs> Mick Foley and his missing ear into the Hall of Fame. And stop fucking around. That's why. Anything else you want to add? Pardon? I said anything else you want to add? Uh, no, that's about it. I basically wanted to cover the Royal Rumble. That's the big pay-per-view I'm looking forward to. All right. Well, make sure to catch John and Captain Quark on Buried, appearing on MyTakeRadio.com. Also, you can find John on Twitter at John U. Butler, and you can follow Captain Quark at QuarkMTR. And, of course, look for them on Facebook and their witty commentary every Monday during war- during Monday Night Raw. Right? Thank you, thank you. It's been a blast. All right, dude. I'll catch you later. See ya. See ya. All right, that was John Blade, like I said, at John U. Butler on Twitter. You can also follow... His cohort, his partner in crime, the one and only Captain Quark at Quark MTR. All right. We are sprinting to the finish. It is approximately 1.42 in the morning in New York City. Uh, MTR's live broadcast will end at 2 a.m. Just a quick reminder that there may be overtime in the event that there is. Make sure to catch the archive of the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or via Blog Talk Radio later today. But... I will remind you guys as we get closer to 2 a.m. Anyway, let's talk some video games because there is quite a bit to discuss. So after discussing MASHFest earlier in the show, I got to tell you guys that if you are playing PlayStation All-Stars, you got two new characters coming your way uh, one being Cat from Gravity Rush and the other one being Emmett Graves from Starhawk. You'll be able to access those characters on February 12th. Also, you'll be getting a new stage called Fearless, which is going to be part Heavenly Sword and part Wipeout. There's also going to be more DLC in March, so be on the lookout for that as well. But if you're a hardcore PlayStation All-Stars gamer, you're going to get those two characters on the 12th of February. Another game that's kind of been making waves, and I'm actually very excited to see a debut in the U.S., is Project X-Zone. It's put out by Namco and Bandai. Uh, well, Namco Bandai, since their uh, merger. And it's going to be getting a North American and Latin American release this summer on the th- Nintendo 3DS. What this game does is going to bring together various franchise characters from not only Namco Bandai, but also from Sega and Capcom. 
Project Exone was developed by Band Presto and Monolith. It's going to feature over 50 characters from over 29 franchises. It's going to be um, it's going to have some RPG elements where you'll be able to combine characters and you'll be able to go through it and close rifts created by the villains of the game. And it's pretty good. They got some really great teams together. Obviously, Jin and Sa- and Xiaoyu from Tekken, Toma and Siru from Shining Force, and X and Zero from Mega Man X, just to name a few. That game's going to be hitting the Nintendo 3DS this summer. So be on the lookout for that. I'm hopefully going to get some video this weekend, and I'll be able to share it so you can see Project X Zone in action. While we are on the subject of 3DS, I got an email from Capcom earlier this week that the 3DS exclusive Resident Evil Revelations will be heading to consoles appearing on the Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, Wii U, and also the PC on May 21st. I'm sure a lot of people that played this game and it probably just fell through the cracks after they finished it are going to be pretty pissed that it's going to be debuting on home consoles, but I think this is just another way for Capcom to extend the shelf life of Resident Evil and it's all about pricing at this point. Right now on uh, they're estimating that the physical disc is going to be 49.99 and you're going to also be able to get a digital version for the PS3 and the PC on launch day. Obviously it's going to get enhanced HD graphics and lighting plus it's going to have a couple of new things as well including Hunk who you'll be able to play as in raid mode. So be on the lookout for that when it drops May 21st. Also making big news this week, Nintendo um, really, really took over a majority of the news because there were big announcements including two new Zelda games debuting on the Wii U, a new Mario title, Mario Kart, and some other franchises. Plus, you're also going to see the return of the Virtual Console, and they were also talking about the evolution of the Miiverse and a lot of the other second screen gaming features. One of the games that we're going to see is, of course, Zelda Wind Waker, which will be back in um, in HD form, and you'll be seeing that on the Wii U. They're also looking to create a new Yoshi game, a new Mario Kart, which should be playable at E3. They're also going to be releasing more details on Pikmin 3, and they're going to start doing more stuff with the Wii Party franchise as well. So there's a lot of really great titles that they're trying to bring out for the Wii U, and honestly, like I've said before, Nintendo's fallen into that drought of not having any first-party titles during these essential months right after the holiday season, so I'm glad to see that they're really trying to make some headlines and move forward to get titles out there. Oh, The other thing, and I'm, and I'm very sad to discuss this, of course, it's the uh, pretty much the dissolving of THQ, the end of THQ, and I'm saddened for a couple of reasons, obviously THQ's put out a lot of great games over the years, and I've built relationships with with some of the people from THQ, obviously Darksiders from Vigil is part of THQ, what's going to happen with those guys, you know our friends Hayden, Hanrandawa those guys, I have no idea, I actually reached out to Hayden just to, you know uh, let him know that you know it's unfortunate what's happened, and you know if we can help them in any way, we gladly will. And, and the reason I say that isn't just because that we've had such a great relationship with them for Darksiders, but just because these are guys that now they lost their jobs and they have families. And much like me, and I have my family and I have my job. You know it sucks that your your company's here one day and gone the next. As such, with the 
dissolving of THQ, their properties were dispersed amongst the masses. Um, according to Kotaku, Relic Games, uh, which developed Warhammer 40K and Company of Heroes, was bought by Sega. Deep Silver, who you guys know, of course, for Dead Island, purchased Volition and the Saints Row franchise, along with the franchise for Met- the license for Metro. Ubisoft picked up the South Park RPG and THQ Montreal. Uh, uh, Take-Two picked up Evolve, and they also are rumored to be picking up the WWE license as well. So, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do with the WWE license. Obviously, 2K has done a tremendous job with the NBA license and and with the MLB license. So, it's going to be very interesting to see. I mean, 2K may put it out and they may still let Ukes handle the development of the game, but who knows, we may see some new enhancements to the WWE games, but I think the possibility of a WWE game within the next year is seriously in jeopardy until Take-Two has the opportunity to sit down and whittle out the nuts and bolts of the franchises. So we'll see what they're going to do with that, but it's going to be a very interesting time. Crytek also picked up Homeland. Um, So it's, it's one of those things that bothers me because... With Vigil, they haven't really discussed what's going to happen yet. So Vigil has no buyers. They're saying that the company behind Bayonetta may be interested in picking up Vigil. We'll see where that goes. If I hear anything else in the coming days, I will share it with you guys, whether it be on the fan page or via the site. But I just want to say, you know, I want to thank all the guys from THQ for putting out some kick-ass titles. I really enjoyed Saints Row the Third, and I got to credit uh, Captain Quark for getting me motivated to rent it from Gamefly and really play it. It was a super enjoyable game, and it's sad to see Volition go that route. Honestly, I would have liked to have seen Rockstar pick up that franchise and implement some of that Saints Row into GTA. Hell, maybe even cross them over and have a little fun with that just for shits and giggles, but, you know, we can dream. As for our friends at Vigil, you know, I wish them nothing but the best, and I hope that they all end up on their feet. So... Where it goes with the rest of these properties remains to be seen, but as always, keep it tuned to MTR, and we will keep you up to date with those developments. I know a couple of you guys are playing DMC, Devil May Cry, you know, the Devil May Cry uh, refresh, and a lot of you are actually really, really enjoying the game, and of course there are some of you complaining about the emo Dante that you're using. Well, guess what? You will be able to enjoy playing the game as classic Dante, but guess what? It is not for free. You're going to get a brand new costume pack that will feature Dark Dante, Neo Dante, and the classic Dante skin from his appearance in Devil May Cry 3. But once again, not for free. The DLC pack is going to run you $4 on the PSN or 320 Microsoft points on Xbox Live. You'll You'll be able to pick up that costume pack January 29th here in the U.S. and in Europe on January 30th. In some digital news, Digital Spy reports that you'll be able to pick up Grand Theft Auto Vice City on PSN next week. This joins now the recently released San Andreas and, of course, GTA 3. It's going to cost you $9.99, and you'll be able to pick that up on January 29th in the U.S. and January 30th in Europe. 
Sonic is in the gaming news this week. According to Go Nintendo, we're going to see a new next-generation Sonic the Hedgehog game, which is slated to be unveiled in February. That game is going to reportedly combine some 2D graphics and 3D gameplay, much like some of the newer Sonic titles have. You're going to get 20 stages, not including boss battles, and each level is going to have multiple routes. Depending on how you beat the level, it's going to unlock other playable characters to replay the levels, including obviously Knuckles, so you can go into those hard-to-reach areas by using his claws to climb the walls. As of right now, this new Sega Sonic title will be debuting at some point in 2013, and of course it will be released on all platforms, 360, PS3, PC, Wii U, Vita, 3DS, and any possible next-gen consoles that get announced during that time. Lastly, to close things out, if you're still playing Assassin's Creed 3, much like I am, the new DLC, The Tyranny of King Washington, will be available February 19th for Xbox 360, PS3, and PC. It's going to be a three-part alternate, uh, excuse me, alternate history, where obviously George Washington becomes more ambitious and more of a dictator. The first episode will be called The Infamy, which is... um which is going to introduce Connor as he wakes up to find that George Washington has been crowned king of the U.S. The infamy is going to cover the first part of the Connor battle to dethrone Washington and deliver justice to a new America. If you want to pick up that first episode, which is the infamy, you can bag it for $10 or 800 Microsoft points. If you want to get all three episodes, it's going to cost you an additional $30 or you can pick it up as part of the Assassin's Creed 3 Season Pass. Obviously, the DLC packs will also be available on the Wii U at a later date. So there you have it, folks. If you are playing Assassin's Creed 3 and you want to get in on this DLC, keep an eye out, as, and you'll be able to pick it up in parts, or you're going to have to shell out 30 bucks. So think about this. You're playing Assassin's Creed 3. You beat it. You spent $60. Oh, look, we got this DLC with, all, with an alternate story. Can I play it? No, no, you can't. Unless you want to pay 10 bucks, or you want to get the Seasons Pass, which is 30 So now that $60 game became either a $70 game for that one episode or a $90 game for you to consume all the DLC as well. Figured that would uh, make you guys think a little bit. Me, personally, I beat Assassin's Creed 3. You guys can find the review on the site. Will I play the DLC? If, if it conveniently falls in my lap, yes. If I got to shell out 30 bucks for it, no. Simple as that. All right. That's going to wrap up the gaming segment for this week. We're going to get into this week's entertainment news. Um, it is now 1.55 Eastern Standard Time here in New York City. MTR, MTR's live episode will end at 2 a.m. Eastern. If it does, I recommend you guys just get the show via archive because we're probably going to go into overtime. If not, wait till Blog Talk Radio archives their show and I replace it with the new audio and you can enjoy the show like that. Anyway, let's get into this week's entertainment news.
So let's open things up with some casting news for Sin City, A Dame to Kill For. The last couple of weeks, I've talked about numerous casting additions that have been done. Well, guess what? It's not over yet. IndieWire reported this week that Ray Liotta, Juno Temple, and Jeremy Piven have joined the cast. They join, of course, the returning Mickey Rourke, Jessica Alba, Rosario Dawson, Jamie King, uh, the newly casted Josh Brolin as Dwight, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is now part of the cast, Dennis Haysbert will be playing Minute, replacing the late Michael Clark Duncan, and of course, Jamie Chung, who played Miho, is making her return to the series as well. So there you have it. You will be getting a really, really large assortment of characters in Robert Rodriguez's new Sin City A Dame to Kill For, and personally, I am very excited to see it. On the box office front, Jessica Chastain competed against Jessica Chastain. I'll tell you why. Jessica Chastain, of course, was in Mama, which was number one at the box office this weekend, earning $28.1 million. Jessica Chastain was also in Zero Dark Thirty, earning $17.6 million, so that gives her both the number one and the number two slot in the box office top ten this week. Silver Linings Playbook was number three. Gangster Squad was number four. Broken City was number five. A Haunted House was six. Django Unchained remained in the top ten at number seven. Les Miserables was eight. The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, was number nine. And The Last Stand tanked at number ten with $6.3 million. I am excited to report that Superhero Hype is saying that the Judge Dredd Reboot has done tremendously well on DVD and Blu-ray topping sales charts as the best-selling new release of 2013. With over 650,000 units sold, with Blu-rays making up half of those sales. It was also the most downloaded film last week. It is available in all formats, DVD, Blu-ray, you know, pay-on-viewing, on-demand, and digital download. I'm actually very happy for that because I picked up Dread on Blu-ray, and I hopefully should have a review for that finalized within the next week or so, just because I haven't finished the movie, but I will be getting that out to you guys very soon. In some DC news, obviously we got Superman around the corner, and everybody's chomping at the bit for Justice League. I just had the English woman yell that there are 90 seconds of show. Just a quick reminder, like I said, the live portion of the show is ending but you can catch the rest on archive via iTunes, Stitcher, or later on today on the Blog Talk Radio service. MTR is going into overtime, so thanks for tuning into the live show, and you can catch the rest on the archives. As I was saying, the next bet... Really, English lady, stop yelling in my ear. I'm sure that's going to come out in the recording. Anyway, the... Batman films, we all know, have been tremendously successful, and of course there is a reboot that's being planned, but guess what? We're not going to see it till at latest 2017, and that's because they are working on the Justice League film, which will introduce a new Batman, and that film will not even be released until 2015. So there you have it. We won't see a Batman standalone film till at minimum 2017. On the Marvel side of things, Latino Review is reporting that Jim Carrey and Adam Sandler are being looked at for parts in Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, before you guys start going crazy 
thinking about, oh my God, who the fuck are these guys going to play? All right, English lady, we got it. Ten seconds. Anyway, Jim Carrey and Adam Sandler both are being considered for roles, but odds are that they're probably going to be voice roles for Rocket Raccoon or Groot. Either or, or both of them. Honestly, Rocket Raccoon probably would do well with an Adam Sandler, and Jim Carrey would make a pretty good Groot. If not, I would give Jim Carrey, Rocket Raccoon, and Groot probably have him do both voices. It depends on how they're going to do it, but obviously it's not going to be those guys in a legit role like, uh, you know, like Star-Lord or Gamora or or even Drax the Destroyer. You know, it's going to be CGI with voice work, so be on the lookout for that. Once I find out more, I will share that with you guys. Plus, they've also looked at other leads for the role of Star-Lord. Right now, they're looking at Wes Bentley, Cam Gigande, and Chris Lowell from Veronica Mars. Honestly, keep Cam Gigande away from anything because he is fucking boring. Wes Bentley is not bad, but it's such a huge list of guys that are being rumored for Star-Lord that any any of them at this point would do well. It's just a matter of the overall composition of the movie and how he gels with any of the other actors. Simple as that. A couple of months back, we were talking about the reboot of Leprechaun and it becoming a WWE Films franchise with Hornswoggle as the Leprechaun. Well, guess what? That is indeed moving forward. It is 100% a true reboot. Obviously, the tone's going to be a little darker. They're going to have more of a traditional horror as opposed to the slight campiness of Warwick Davis's Leprechaun. But it is indeed moving forward with Hornswoggle in the driver's seat as the Leprechaun. So, yes, 100%, it is happening. And, of course, the big news on the entertainment front seen everywhere today is the strong, strong possibility that J.J. Abrams will be directing Star Wars Episode 7. The rap reports that it is true. J.J. Abrams is set to direct Episode 7. Um, originally, there were a, a huge list of directors. Right now, it seems that J.J. Abrams is pretty much a lock. Another rumored director was Ben Affleck. I'm going to be 100% honest in saying that J.J. Abrams was probably the best fit because he is such a a large influence on the science fiction genre, especially with his great work with Star Trek. I think he'd do a tremendous job with Star Wars, and I'm glad to see where it's going to go from there. We'll see if that's true in the coming weeks as of right now. Obviously, Lucasfilm hasn't confirmed it, but neither has Bad Robot, so we shall see what happens. Honestly, I wouldn't mind J.J. Abrams handling the director duties for Star Wars Episode Seven. And last but not least, an unnecessary sequel news deadline reports that they are working on a sequel, forget this, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, based on the fourth book of Wu Du Lu's Crane and Iron series. This is going to follow the fifth book, Silver Vase, Iron Knight, and it's going to continue the adventures of Shu Len, which was played by Michelle Yeoh in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Once again, while I enjoyed the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon movie extremely, I really feel that it's not necessary for them to make a sequel to a movie that unless you're a true hardcore kung fu film purist or just a fan of artistic films, it's not going to thrive in this type of an environment because 
There's, there's, it's not like it used to be where people would sit through these artistic films at the ready. I think people are looking for more mindless action. And while I feel that the martial arts choreography was extremely impressive in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, I don't think that the film would translate well into, you know, into a big theater production for the audiences of 2013. Honestly, that's my take on it. I could be wrong, but I just feel it's unnecessary. Anyway, that's going to wrap up the show for this week. I'd like to thank Ben for calling in, helping me with MMA, Alex Reyes for calling in to discuss wrestling and share a little bit of indie wrestling knowledge with us, and of course, our very own John Blade for giving me a hand with some Royal Rumble predict. Uh, excuse me, Royal Rumble predictions. Anyway, that's going to wrap up the show for this week. I will catch you guys next week. You've just heard My Take Radio, episode 170, for Thursday, January 24th, 2013. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of MTR, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. We are always looking for new writers to add to the staff, and we're going to be posting some official requests within the next couple of days. So if you're interested in writing for us, either for comics, MMA, video games, entertainment, wrestling, or even some tech stuff. Again, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. Last but not least, if you don't feel comfortable with email and would rather leave a voicemail, you can hit up our feedback line, 347-815-0687, 347-815-0MTR. Last but not least, social media, you can find us on Twitter, at mytakeradio. On MySpace, you can also become a fan on our Facebook fan page, facebook.com forward slash MyTakeRadio. And of course, ask us questions on Formspring and add us to your circle on Google+. As always, if you want the complete MyTakeRadio experience, you can pick up the MTR app for your Android or iOS devices. For Android, you can hit up the Amazon Marketplace. And for iOS, you can always hit up the always reliable iTunes. Lastly, you can also listen to My Take Radio every live every Thursday on Blog Talk Radio. Also, you can listen to the archives on Blog Talk Radio. But if you want higher quality and accessibility on your mobile devices, you're going to want to pick up the Stitcher app. Just a reminder, enter My Take in the promo box and you'll be eligible to win $100. Stitcher allows you to listen to the show without having to put an MP3 on your device and you can stream the episodes anywhere, either with Wi-Fi or with your 3G and 4G connections. As always, other than that, you can use the Zoom Marketplace, BlackBerry Podcast, or any of your other podcatchers. I do got to say that if you are getting the show off of iTunes, please take a moment and review the show. It helps us out. It gets us seen by more people. And the more people that see us, the better the benefits are for you guys. As always, thanks for listening. I'm out of here. I'll catch you guys next week. Peace. Taking us out this week, we're going to go with the Born of Ashes for Kratos and God of War. <laughs>